There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the sixth version of Red Side of the Trent. And yet again, we're basking in positivity as Forest have won again. I'm your host, Christian Brown. And as usual, I'm joined by Lee Clark, Reese Lane and Anna Wicklow. It's been a after international break. We had... Forest are back in front of their home fans at City Grounds and managed to get the first win in front of fans since February 2020 against Leeds when they defeated Blackpool 2-1 at home, showing good resilience to snatch win in a game they very much were the better sides. And yeah, if you think, like, I'm sure uh, regular listeners, it still seems weird to say that, but regular listeners who have tuned in from the very beginning, when we're moaning every week at how lethargic, how slow Forest were, this is just such a breath of fresh air. And Reese, I mean... You know, I mean, it, this is everything we wanted and more, isn't it, really, from Forest? Just like, you know, attacking intent, getting stuck in, not letting, not even when the chips are down, you still keep fighting. It's just a, a night and day transformation. Well, yeah, I think the first goal epitomised that yesterday, didn't it? Mm. Um, <laughs> absolute peach of a ball from Jay Warrell, very Michael Dawson-esque when he broke through um, into the first team. And then the ball from Lowe was just as good, perfectly weighted. And then Johnson's uh, met it at the back post. So, yeah, it's it's been, you know, I don't like keep going back to the Hewton era, but it's kind of hard not to because, the, you know, the difference is vast. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, yesterday was a tough game, I thought. I didn't think Blackpool was technically a... a really good side but I thought they made it tough for us that we had to dig in you know to win the game um, you know they forced a mistake to be fair to them and Jerry E.H. was you know buzzing around the box and he obviously turned that in mm. um, but um, the only real threat I thought was from Bowler Dan the right for them and Gabriel to be fair did play well for them yesterday yeah well come um, on a bit to be fair yeah he did it was a good little return for him but yeah, it was, just, it was just so nice just to, I thought, grind and win out when at 1-1, we'd been the better side, but, you know, it could have probably maybe gone either either way then. Yeah, definitely. I think um, before we actually continue talking about the game in more depth, one of the things that a lot of people seem to have picked up on was just the overall mood to the grounds. Like, everyone's, I know obviously, like, you know, winning breeds positivity and everyone's more happy with the result, but it seemed that the whole city grounds was a massive lift yesterday. Like, I think... The Blackpool game, it seemed to me anyway, the atmosphere felt like what the Bur- the Bournemouth game should have felt like, that first game back with fans. And, you know, I mean, Lee, how much of a difference does it make? I mean, we all know how loud Forest fans can be when they're on form. And we've heard so many managers in the past say before, keep the fans quiet for the first 15, the game might start to shift in your favour. But when the City ground's rocking like that, I mean, 
it's just a sight to behold, isn't it? Yeah, I think, um, like you say, that's how the Bournemouth game should have been. Um, what I really liked about the atmosphere, I was, I've been quite critical of our home support in the past. Um, but I think when they equalised, there's, there's a lot of Forest fans who just thought Blackpool would be kind of the whipping boys this season. And I think that, that stretched into the game yesterday, um, despite them being in pretty good form. But I was quite impressed that when they did score, the atmosphere was really positive still. Um, it was almost like, um, even after three or four games, fans have already bought into to what Steve Cooper wants to do. Um, and it was almost like we knew that even though they'd equalised, we, we'd still get more chances to score a goal. Whereas, again, not to, to dwell on the Chris Uton era too much, but you knew that when the other team scored um, you know, during that period, it was um, that typically we'd, we'd collapse like a, a cheap deck chair. So, um, yeah, it was it was good. The, the fans stayed with them and, and Cooper's been really saying all the right things in terms of, um, you know, that's what the fans need to do. That's their role. Um, obviously, the, the caveat to that is that he has to give us a, you know, a style of football that, that the fans will get behind. And, and, you know, so far, so good in that sense. It's an interesting point. I mean, um, Adam, this is something that you spoke about on the last pod. Uh, you know, everyone's sort of saying, you know, obviously, you're right. There was going to be a new manager bounce, especially given what's happened. But I mean... I guess it's still, it may be still a bit too early to say, but I mean, and it's just something that even the press are now starting to clock onto. I don't mean the ones that were very sort of like ignorant almost, the ones who hadn't what people like Chris Sutton, who hadn't paid any attention to Boris since he had to play against the club at Chelsea in the early 2000s, for example. They actually like the journals who come week in, week out and were saying, no, I don't actually agree with the whole new manager bounce thing. It could actually be something a bit deeper than this. And I think um, it's Alan Biggs, who I think works for the Star, maybe? Oh, Talk Sport. Yeah, Talk Sport and. Um, in the Telegraph, sorry, and he was saying that it's more of a case of releasing the handbrake on a sports car with Forrest. That's what Cooper's done. Do you think it's sustainable, Adam? Do you think that there is potentially more to this early little bounce, or is it sort of a still bit too early to say? I think it's 50-50 maybe. Like, I think players are obviously enjoying themselves again. Sorry to hear it sound a bit husky. I've spent time. I had 40 facts. Um, no, I think... I, I think fans, uh, Blackpool fans, sorry. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a case of fresh ideas and a, and a, and a, and a fresh way of playing, especially. But uh, like, like Steve Cooper said, they've got to give us something to shout about. And I think from the very start, we we pressed very, very high. And that's why we got a bit leggy towards the end because we, we put so much effort into that. And that's what you want to see at home. You want to see his press, you want to see his on the front foot. And it started when Brennan Johnson really closed down, I think, either the centre-half or the goalkeeper. And, and although it, it, he closed it down and it went out for a goal kick, it gave us a massive lift, in, especially in Lower Bridgeford. It meant, like, we're up for this sort of thing. Mm. And touching on, um, on Lee's point about the atmosphere not really dropping when, when Blackpool scored, we were creating chances. So I think, as a whole... We, would, we just thought, well, we're definitely going to get another chance. It's there for the taking. We're getting in quite quite in behind quite a lot. I know we're going to go into more depth about the game in a bit, but we we, we, had, we had something to shout about and, and it was good. Um, I'm not a fan of us regurgitating Steve Cooper songs for, well, for the third manager in a row or whatever, but at least <laughs> it's something. Um, I just wish we was a bit more creative with it, but that's my only gripe. I think we'll talk, we have a little mention on the chance last week in a bit because obviously we forgot to mention it the last one. But um, I guess, yeah, it's good. It's nice. It's refreshing. And, um, you know, obviously they've, we've been here so many times before with so many different managers to know that it's not going to last forever, of course. But for now, 
it is good, it's lovely and long may it continue. One of the things you mentioned, Reese, was Worrell's distribution, his crossfield ball straight out the Michael Dawson era. I mean, I was a bit, bit, bit sceptical because against Millwall, I know obviously, you know, it's a very different type of position, but he didn't look particularly comfortable as that sort of right centre-back Worrell. He looked a bit sort of like out of his comfort zone, sort of like fish out of water a little bit, like he was making mistakes, he was giving the ball away cheaply. And in the space of a few games, he's you start seeing him pinging 50-yard balls. I mean, what that that transformation, the very short transformation as well, is that like maybe something that was already there? Has Cooper helped to unlock this? Like, what do you think it is? I think with a Millwall game, the worry would have been Matt Smith because I think we all know that he's kind of got Warrell's number. Um, it did worry me a bit yesterday when I seen Gary Medine was playing for them, uh, who's another kind of doesn't score regularly, but he's a big guy. Um, so I was a bit worried he was going to cause some problems, but they didn't really, Blackpool didn't really play to his strengths yesterday, Medine. Um, even, like I said in my last comment, Jerry Yates never really got on the ball. He had the one chance which he turned in um, out of nothing, really, which was our mistake. Mm. Um, but the, the back, apart from that, I thought the back five again was solid. Um, they, to be fair to Blackpool, they doubled up on Spence and nullified him going forward. Um, and we, we didn't get support to Spence down that right enough for me. But that allowed the other side, because they had Bowler and Gabriel on that side, who was really going forward all the time. That allowed Max Lowe a lot of space, you know, and that's where both his goals come from down that side. So that didn't surprise me at all. No, it's good to see those cross, those long cross footballs as well. I mean, when they're executed properly, it's, it's great. It completely takes the defence out of the game. And as you say, yeah, Brennan Johnson celebrated getting, was it EFL Young Player of the Month by getting his first City Crown goal. Uh, Lee, Johnson, as much like his dad was, has basically become a key player pretty much overnight. Like, obviously, like, had a loan spell away, like his dad did, came back as a key player. It's, um, history's repeating itself on that front, but I suppose the next issue will be, one, we've got time down for his contract, but two, for his performances, how do you think they've fared? Obviously, again, another strongest player against Blackpool. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing what uh, what attacking players can do when you play a, an attacking style of football. Um, I think, as with lots of players, Johnson got... Lots of people were already saying after five or six games, oh, I don't really see the fascination with him. And it's like, well, he's an attacking player that's playing in an ultra-defensive system. So mm. let's at least give him you know, the benefit of the doubt of a new manager. And, and since Steve Cooper comes, has come in, he's, he's been absolutely fantastic. Um, at Barnsley, he was, well... I know Grabin's introduction turned the game on its head at Barnsley, but I think Johnson set the first one up. He scored the second one. Um, again, another good game at Birmingham. And then yesterday, he's there popping up into the box. He just he just seems to love getting into good areas. He just seems to read the game really well for a young lad. Um, mm. I think it would have been easy for, um, you know, a, a typical winger or a number 10 just to kind of hang back a bit there. But as soon as he saw that Max Lowe was, was in acres, he, his first thought was to just get at the back post. So... Yeah, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head there. We've we've got to get that new contract sorted because, you know, the, the longer that goes on, his, his valuation is just going to drop. Um, and the Premier League clubs are, you know, going to be sniffing around. Well, they're already sniffing around. So, yeah, that's got to be sorted, even if it just protects, you know, um, in typical Forest style, a, a big transfer fee. It did seem like, I think, um, the sticking point, it seemed from um, the Athletic anyway, was that 
he did actually want like the, apparently finances aren't an issue and it's not his commitments an issue either i think it was the length of the deal and the release clause which i i get from both sides obviously forest will want to protect their asset and equally he'll say you'll price me out of a potential move if it happens but Hopefully we can get something over the line because you know, he's looking every passing week. He seems to be now in this system where he can flourish properly. No night and day. And talking of night and day in terms of transformation is, of course, Lewis Graben, who got seven goals in, what I could say, just shy of 12 months with Chris Hewton. Seven goals across the season. I know he had a bit of injuries here and there. He's already got four on the Cooper. So, Adam, I guess we, again, we said about you know how the new system unlocks players but it does seem to be like he's almost the keeper keeps praising Graben he keeps like singing his praises he keeps making a big point about like, how important Graben is to the team he seems to be rewarding him quite a lot at the minute Lewis Graben's back isn't he um, you you feed a player like him and he will always score your goals and yesterday was a typical poacher's goal and I think Graben would love that just a tap in sort of thing at the back post or a bit of a scrappy one um, and I mean, he saved us in the first half with a great clearance on the off line. Whether you, whether it was on ball or whatever, I don't, I don't really know. It was so hard to tell uh, from the from the highlights. And obviously, we were at the other end of the ground, so it's really hard to tell. But he's doing both 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 jobs. He closed down well. He led the line really well yesterday. Um, he's not a shower on the pitch. Um, he just he's just one of them that he's a bit like Chris Cowan in a sort of weird way where. He leads by example, I guess. Um, and obviously having the younger lads around him is beneficial because they can run off him, he can get the ball and lay it off and we get him behind a lot easier because he draws defenders out. He's, he's an experienced pro. Um, and I think Steve Cooper realises that he needs that someone like him on his side to then rally the rest of the team. And, that, and that's important. Um, touching on Johnson, though, um, I just want to make a note, me and, me and Reese commented about this, that... Um, he does put. He does like to pull out of a tackle, so Yadar's going to hate that in the future, I think. <laughs> um, but no, um, I can't. I can't really sing people's phrases enough. It was. It's. It's just so nice and refreshing to do. And I think even when we do lose a game, because it's inevitable, we will do. We'll have a bad day at yeah. the office. I think fans will be happy because we've seen enough already in the first four games under Steve Cooper, what we can do. And I think there's still more to come. I think we'll drub a team soon. We'll, we'll be team five or six nil. I, I say that with like a bit of like, maybe not total confidence, but I wouldn't be surprised either. No, I, I completely see. I, mean, I think I would have that conviction to be fair. I do think there'll be a time where everything's clicked. We put four past the team like it's nothing. Because we have the players to do it, and we've always had the players to do it. And this is what was so frustrating before, because you know, it, it, pundit after pundit, expert after expert, it wasn't just us fans saying we had a good attacking unit. We could see it. We all, the whole world could see it, and they weren't being used properly ultimately. And now, hopefully, they are, and long may it continue. Because you know, as long as we have those players getting into positions like that, with the depth that we have as well, obviously, you look even the, the wide options: Johnson, Zinkenagel, Lolly, and Myton. You know, even if you take two of those out and put the other two in, it's all it's going to cause all manner of carnage for the fence. But one thing I have noticed early, uh, and I go to you this point specifically because, again, something we've spoken about a lot before in the past, no one's mentioning Lewis Graben's captain credentials anymore. It's quite funny, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing, isn't it? It's like it's almost like there's there's other qualities that a player needs to to enable <laughs> him to wear a, a little, you know, 
a bit of fabric on his shirt. It's, I've never understood the fascination with it. I, I don't know if it's because I'm invested in other sports and I kind of get that the captaincy has kind of evolved a little bit. But yeah, it's. It, it, I do. I do see where people have come from. His body language on the pitch isn't always great. It can sometimes come across a little bit sulky. I don't think that's the case at all. I just think he's he's his own man. He does his own thing. And if people don't like it, then then you know, kind of balls to them. But um, yeah. I'm pleased for grabbing, more pleased for, for him than probably any other player at the minute, to be honest, because some of the rubbish we've had to withstand on Twitter about him being finished <laughs> and this, that and the other. And it, it's fascinating, isn't it? You, you know, you've got a striker who loves scoring goals, you know, nine times out of ten in the penalty area. What have we struggled to do in, for the probably for the last two or three years? Put the ball in the penalty area. All of a sudden we're doing it. Shock horror, he's scoring goals. So, yeah, it's pretty for the man. Um, a question for all three of you. Uh, we all know Graben is coming to the end of his four-year contract in the summer. Would you give him a new deal? And if so, for how long? So, Reese, we'll start with you first. Um, I would give him a new deal. Um, whether Forrest, with his age and the money he's on, um, see that fit in, I'm not sure. Because with his age, I think he's 34 in January. I actually had a look at this earlier. Mm. You know, he probably would be looking for maybe a two-year deal. Then, if someone offers him a two-year deal and Forrest offer him one, he might be struggling to keep him. Um, it, it all depends what the board see is, is fit. Um, we definitely need to replace him if we do let him go. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, Lyle Taylor is ninety-nine percent not people's cup of tea. For me, the lads who are in the academy coming through. And nowhere near championship level yet. So we would be looking to invest in somebody else who would all, who would cost a lot of money as well. You know, we I talked about wanting to sign Jerry Yates who scored yesterday, like, but I mean, how much would Blackpool want for him, for example? Especially if they're still in the championship. So of course. Yeah, for me, I would give him another deal. But like I've just said, it, it's going to be tough because it wouldn't surprise me if I say, look, we'll give you a year and then someone comes along, another championship club or a Middle Eastern club and say, look, we'll give you a two-year deal or in the Middle East, a bumper contract. Yeah. like a retirement package. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Adam, what about you, mate? I think Reese has kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, with that, I, I, I completely agree. I'd, I'd give him a year with his age and you look to probably bring in another striker to learn off him for that one season, young, young striker. Um, there's probably plenty about, but I mean, I've not been playing football manager for the last two years, so I couldn't give you any names. Um, <laughs> that's where all my information comes from. Um, went to Wolves, got it about that. Yeah. Um, I think hopefully with this new recruitment, we, we will maybe unearth a bit of a gem. I mean, Brentford have done it for years. So I don't. Everyone's got the same available resources. Surely, I mean, we can surely get someone a bit like an Ollie Watkins or a, a Neil Mopay from somewhere, and and they're, they're always a good example. They they seem to do it. But Peterborough seems to always get strikers as well. I mean, but yeah, I think I think what Reese says. I think that if another club comes and gives him two years and same sort of money, then. It's a no-brainer when you when you come into the end of your career. You need to you probably want to get as much money as you possibly can. I know that sounds a bit rubbish, but maybe grabbing will actually turn around and actually say, "Well, no, I still want to play at this level of football. It's a good level. 
I don't I don't know. It's it's a it's a tough one. But yeah, like if we don't know what what road we're going down with the recruitment, unless Murphy's keeping to this whole twenty eight and and under, then I, I can only see it going going one way. That's fair. And finally, Lee, would you give a deal? Yeah, I think the ball's going to be in his court. If there's been talk in the past that you know he craves a move to Qatar, whether that's true, I don't know. But one thing we will find out is if it is true and a club's still interested, then he probably will go this summer. He's not going to want to go there in the next couple of years. He's going to be too old. Um, I don't think another English club will give him the money that he wants or the length of deal that he wants. Um, so yeah, just just to kind of echo what Reese said, really, I'd give him another year if 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 he'd be willing to sign it. Um, I think he's done more than enough, you know. Despite what people say about him, I think he's done more than enough in a forest shirt to warrant you know that extension. So yeah, it's a yeah for me. What do you think, Christian? Full house. Yeah, I give him the deal. If I had to be honest, I wouldn't be against giving him a one year deal with an optional year on top of it because I think the level he's playing at the minute, I still don't. I think. Even with his age, I think you, know, you might. I think you won't. You won't see the decline for another good twelve months or so. Though I think you know, he, he he's reading in the game the way he, even his pace is still there. You know, obviously, his finishing is still there. His touch is still there. I think it's one of those examples where, whereas in the past with an older striker, you might think, oh, you know, his legs are going. There's no evidence of that happening with Gavin so far. So I would definitely give him a one-year deal and with the optional extra for seconds, and then you think at that point you start looking wise. I think I'd like to see Forrest replace Taylor before we replace Graben, to be honest. Not because it's a knock at Taylor. I just think that Graben's a much better player. And I think if we went into next season, for example, where Taylor was our main striker, then, you know, like Reece said, we're looking at, okay, how much can we pull out behind back of the to buy a new striker from somewhere? Because it won't be enough. So it's, yeah, I would, yeah, full house, new deal. And... Lord, may his goals continue. Um, interesting, Reese. you mentioned earlier about the defensive uh, solidity and how you felt that, you know, it seemed a lot more common. Although I will say that defending for the goal, I didn't think was particularly good at all. I know, obviously, that you can't expect Forrest to be perfect all the time. But it was very, it was one of those sort of like rare moments in the game where it seemed Forrest just lost their concentration very quickly and were sort of chasing shadows rather than, anything else and then they very quickly put the bundled balls back on net what did you are you is that slightly concerning to you at all or do you think that's potentially the one-off and you sort of just take it on the chin I mean oh it's, it's hard because you know if, if Sam if Samba's saying that's my ball he's got to come out and take it mm. you know me and Adam were saying that yesterday if he's shouting you know keeper's ball Samba's ball He's got to come out and take Spence out as well, take, take the player out and claim the ball. And, you know, I, I don't know if there's a miscommunication. Obviously, obviously it's hard because you, you don't hear what's said on the pitch in a full stadium. Um, I just think that was just a mistake, unfortunately, um, because we didn't... We was never... I know I touched on Bowler early on the wing for Blackpool, but they didn't really create much they had that scramble in the first half at the Trent end which I don't know I didn't go in but apart from that I can't really remember Samba making a save of note yesterday no there was a set piece um, that he came close from scoring from I think just yeah but it wasn't um, yeah which in itself is up is annoying it, it was, it was kind of ironic that Gabriel touched that one down to eight because that was very similar to the header what he 
made when Blackburn scored their second when he played yeah. for us. It was it, that crossed my mind when I, when it happened as much as I was pissed off at the time. Um, but yeah, you have to give Blackpool a bit of credit there because they've recycled it. And like I said earlier, Jerry H was didn't really have much to feel yesterday, and he was lively. And you know, he just it was one of them really with him then hit the target, and it was likely going to go in. It didn't wasn't really a finish of any venom or anything. Wanted he just kind of stroked to him really because Samba obviously was out of position. Yeah. Yeah, um, nice. so yeah. For me, that was just a mistake, as frustrating as it was, and we'd be talking about it more if we didn't win the game. You just have to move past that now, I, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely, yeah. Um, obviously, on the topic of Gabriel, I mean, he technically gets an assist in his return. Um, it has the record will go down. I thought, though, generally, it seems... It was one of those where it's potentially difficult because had he maybe waited a few extra months or a few extra weeks even, his future could have been very, very different. It could have been him playing on the right instead of Spence, who knows? But um, or Spence might not even be at the club if we kept Gabriel, for example. Although he does seem that was very much done by the data team rather than Newton, which is interesting. Uh, Adam, do you think that, and obviously he got good reception, he clapped with four stands of the ground off. Do you think we're missing much with Gabriel? Or do you think, like, draw a line under it and move on? Good luck to the guy. I think, I think the latter, Christian. Um... Unfortunately, he struggled with injury. I think we, we picked him up from uh, South End United and he got released from Arsenal, I believe. Yes. So I think there was I think there was the potential there, but he had a lot of injuries. Still pretty raw. I, I think it's kind of, it's one of them where I think we we we'll take the money and and, and go. Um, Spencer's a cracking player. I mean, Middlesbrough fans are obviously scratching their heads at what's gone on between him and Warnock for him not to be there. I think Reese mentioned to me something about they've got a FIFA Pro clubs for the under 23s that are called the the Warnock Rejects <laughs> or something, which I think is quality. Um, but yeah, he seems to be really enjoying his football, Spence. And obviously, we've still not even seen what what Drager's come what what he's uh, capable of either. Um, and I think he'll struggle to get get an opportunity for a little while until unless like Spence needs needs taken out for a rest, but. What a player he is. I mean, and Max Lowe, equally down the left-hand side, his quality. He, he looks like he's really enjoying his football. And I, and I know he's had a lot of injuries from being at Derby and that and and whatever, but he's definitely got the quality because he was part of the England setup at one point. So I'm pretty sure Steve Cooper knows him pretty well from, from those sort of days. Um, but I tell you who we need to give credit to, and I mean Figueredo is another one, but Scott McKenna, what a fucking footballer he is. My goodness. How does he not get in the Scotland team? What are you doing? He's like Beckenbauer, yeah. the fridge. I find that the Scotland the Scotland fans don't seem to rate him, do they? Like the, the old firm crowd just don't seem to find him that good, which I find so bizarre. I mean, he's such a good player for Forest. I mean, Lee, you've touched on this before in the past. Like McKenna's a good defender, a very like, like one of the ones we were saying last season. Like if we were to have the rip the side of pieces, we wonder what you wanted to keep. So, is it time to get to credit deserves? Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's great. I mean, for all the, the bad stuff our recruitment team have done, to get Scott McKenna for, what, three million rising to six? Unbelievable business. Um, there must be a lot of other clubs looking at us with kind of a, an envious glance because I think Aston Villa were quite close to signing him at one point, but they got I think they got Mings at a similar time. So, yeah, their loss is our gain. 
I always find it quite interesting. Whenever he plays for Scotland, if you type in the words McKenna and Tish into Twitter, it brings up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds because they apps. It's literally one one failed pass and they absolutely despise him. They can't stand him. Um, so for me, it's great when he keeps getting called up, but keep him away from that team. We don't want his confidence going to pieces. Um, if he doesn't get called up, even better. He can just get his feet up for two weeks and get him wrapped in cot wall ready for, for the next Forest game. <laughs> no, exactly. And yeah, great three points as well. Um, they're going to move on to something that we should have discussed in the last pod, but sort of ran out of time slash general incompetence for myself. Uh, we're going to look at, we asked you what your um, favourite chance were uh, because I had an experience uh, when we went to, it was the League Cup game when, we, when our children got absolutely battered by Wolves. Um, I instead that night was good for the offer the free tickets to West Brom and Arsenal, and I felt it was quite interesting that you know Arsenal chance for their players they have quite a, they have quite a good little selection and we don't really seem to do we like we have a few like if you look at the player chance we have they're generally quite generic aren't they we don't have like an isolated chance so I mean I know McKenna might have one now obviously um, to heaven's a place on earth but we don't really have a lot do we. Absolutely not, and it's dog shit. We are <laughs> we're regurgitating a song for the third manager in a row, I think. Um, of this hates the Derby and he hates the Leicester. Um, and we've got about five, he's one of our own, apart from and then and then it does change to Brennan Johnson of uh Brennan Johnson baby, doesn't it, or whatever. But mm. I, I I feel like there's like a uh there's a thing against people coming up with new football chants in, in Forest, and then like someone it some it gets going for a little by maybe like ten lads, but it doesn't go anywhere else. And I think that's really unfortunate. And I don't know why, because so there's some cracking ideas out there. Uh, they just need like putting into place. Um, I don't know. It's a weird one. Loads of fo- fo- other football clubs are really good at it, but any time you you sort of like hear a tune, and it's from from like I don't know. Liverpool because Forest fans seem to really hate Liverpool. We're not allowed to sing that because they sing it, it even <laughs> though they've stolen them off like Napoli or Borussia Munchen Gladbach or Dortmund or whoever the fuck you want to say. I don't get it. It's just a song. Just get it. Get it done. It's, yeah, you're not wrong. We do. We had have some, and we've asked for your submissions as well. Uh, so in all sorts, said he's a big fan of the Tom Lawrence one. I'm guessing that's you left him to die, which again fully on board with prick. Um, Liam nine one seven said he's a big fan of uh, Gary Rowett, your trainer's a shit. Again, I, was, I, I thought to be fair to Rowett, to be fair, he took um, because the first thing that we sung at the Millwall game, he just turned and sort of gave Abok a little thumbs up, which I thought was quite good of him. I like, take take it well. Um, Alex Avergan, I'm gonna go with loves the Commons of Judas, which again is my favourite one, and um, Derby going down with five in the bank, my new favourite one. Uh, Brandon says he loved the Amiobi one. I think that was to. Yes, Fengalwis, that's it, yeah. And then uh, Jeffro loved Antonio to 99 Red Balloons and Karanka Lampard one, which again, I quite did enjoy, to be fair. <laughs> it, was quite, it was quite funny seeing like, Lampard's a wanker. <laughs> did enjoy that. Um, boys, what are your favourite chants, very quickly? So Lee, we'll start with you first. Uh, yeah, you, you said mine last night. I liked the Karanka Lampard one. I, I just like anything that makes me laugh um, with a chant. I can't agree with the Commons one. It, it's, it does my head in every time I hear it now. <laughs> You'll never play for us again because he is fucking shy. You'll never play for us again because he's been retired about eight years. 
It just doesn't, it just seems so dated now. It's minor just, logistics. It's, it's done. It's gone. It's you know I don't like it. Knock it on the head. I agree with Adam. Bring something. Make the words more modern. Use another player. No, not for me. Fair enough. Ray, sort back you very quickly. Um, going back to what Adam said earlier, I've heard Bullock Entire butchered that many times over the years by people singing it badly out of tune. I think I've just we've just got to accept where we are with chance, to be honest. Um, what we what we said about the list, and I, I did like the Antonio one because that was a lot more creative and yeah different unique to what Forest usually have okay cool and Adam lastly really tough um I loved one we had cash I got that one to uh Starman by oh that was um, really good actually that, was, that last, was a really good one the last very original one yeah um, but just to boil Reese Piss, uh, Reece off. I like it when we get a call and we shout two, two, two because it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very unique to us, that I don't think any other club does that. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, as well as having a chance, we offered asked you another question or three questions actually. Um, so, obviously, our team is currently built up some lone players who are very, very good. It's great to see. So, you've got us thinking. Who is your favourite Forest loan signing? The worst Forest loan signing, which sadly, there were many more submissions for that than there were for the best. And if you could sign any of the loans now permanently, who would it be? And this got quite a big reaction. So, you know, uh, Johnny said Nicky Shuri was the best. He says Dimitri was the worst and would like to sign Max Lowe. You know, Craig also agreed Shuri, worst Ian Turner. I remember Ian Turner having that fucking howler at Spurs that, that cost us that fifth round tie, whatever it was. And they went to a replay and then we lost that 3-0. And then we'd want to keep Spence 100%. And then, you know, uh, John Michael White said best would be Blackstock, which is a good shout, to be fair. That Blackstock goal against Bristol City was mega, kept us up. And then um, worst was Boyd's, I suppose. Yeah, quite underwhelming for what it was at the time. And one that he would like to sign would be Zinkenagel, which is a very fair shout. And then rattle through a few more very, very quickly. Uh, City Ground Shelf, so that's Matt Barno, top lad, says uh, favourite Forest signing would be Huckabee. <laughs> worst loan signing how long have you got and then if you can sign any loans out permanently Spence and loan and happily have the club pay decent money for Adam West Nicky Shorey a lot of love for him worst loan signing thankfully I don't even remember him but Adam Proudlock for the worst overhead kick I've ever seen against West Brom equally would be Dimitri and then what he wants to keep would be Zink and Eagle. so boys obviously you've had a bit of time to think about this yourself uh, let's start with you Lee so who would be your favourite Forest loan signing, your worst Forest loan signing, and who do you want to sign permanently out of the current crop? Right, my favourite one. Uh, I've thought about this all week, pretty much. Um, I've narrowed it down to about three, and then this afternoon I just picked. I've gone for Lee Camp. Um, I just think at the time it was quite clear that, that Paul Smith was out his depth in the Championship. We, we were sleepwalking. Well, we weren't sleepwalking. We were rock bottom. We were, we were struggling big style. And he came in and just he was just a real leader from the back. Um, I mean, two or three games in, you're saving a penalty in front of the, you know, the South Stand at Derby and then thumping your chest, not realising where you actually are as a Derby <laughs> fan. I mean, what's not to like about that? Um, even when he went back to QPR for a bit, I, I always remember a two-all draw and he played for QPR. He gave a, a ridiculous penalty away. And threw one in. It was like he wanted to come and play for us. It was, just, it was ridiculous. Um, and then obviously we finally got him permanently. And it, it always baffles me when people 
come up with other names for a, a team of the decade or whatever, just because yeah, his head was one. turned. I'll, I'll give him. I'll give you that. His form did drop off when his head was turned. He really wants to play in the prem, but during his his loan spell, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, and when you look back, he probably helps us get the points that we needed to stay up that year. Um, yeah. Worst one. Yeah, Matt Barno's got a point. How long have we got? Um, I'm going to go for Michael Stewart. Um, oh, I remember him, if, yeah. If what, you, no, if what you read about David Johnson and the training ground spat, then he, he probably didn't hit him hard enough. He, he should have hit him all the way back to Manchester, to be honest, because he was absolutely <laughs> useless. Um, I always remember it was like, you know, it just you know, flunked the playoffs and Paul Hart got no backing whatsoever and he ended up with Michael Stewart, Brynjar Gunnarsson and Danny Sonner. Well... Where do you start it's with those three? Nightmares it, even now. It, it still haunts us to this day, to be fair. So, <laughs> yeah, he'd be the the worst. And the one I'd sign now, I, I would go for low, I think. I just think we've had so many problems with solving the left-back conundrum that he gives us an option. Now, I think of the, of the ones we've got, he's probably the most realistic as well, to be honest. Um, he doesn't seem to have much of a future at Sheffield United and... Yeah, I'd go for him just because, like I say, we've, we've just faced a constant battle for left-backs. So so let's not go down that route again. Yeah, fair point well made. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a problem position for many of you. Uh, Adam, so your favourite Forest loan signing ever, your worst loan signing ever, and if you sign any loans now permanently, who would it be? This has been quite a difficult one for the for my favourite. There's a few honourable mentions. Um I really enjoyed, obviously, Nicky Shorey being with us. Chris Boyd, I don't think, gets talked about enough. Chris Boyd um, is good. I thought he was Chris really Boyd good. good. Um, but I think it's so hard. I loved Hildeberg Carrera. I've mentioned him in another podcast. But I think Raddy, I mean, the first course, yeah. first derby game I go to, and he smashes one from 30, 25, 30 yards in off the crossbar. And everyone's wondering who the fuck is this Polish Cabanos, um, what a player! Um, and then obviously we signed him permanently, um, and I think he really enjoyed his time with with Forest. I think he still comments on on like the official like Instagram and all that sort of stuff. So he'd be my favourite. Um, worst, Kyle Ebersilio, who come from with a really good uh, reputation. To be fair to him, so I thought Dougie Freeman had done some quite good business considering we couldn't sign anyone and only loan players. But I remember a game where he got brought on and got brought back off within about 20 minutes. He was that shit. <laughs> um, and then to sign, it's so hard because Joe, like last season, even at the start of this one, you'd probably go James Garner because you'd love him because he's such a good player. But this season, I think he's really struggled to get, get into his stride, but hopefully that won't last too much longer and he'll he'll get back into it. But yeah. Um, Zinconago was a really good technical player, but I think I think I agree with Lee. We've had two, so many problems at left back. Um, it's got to be it's got to be my mate Max Lowe. <laughs> nice one, nice one. And race. So your favourite starting signing ever, your worst starting signing ever, and out current crop who gets signs? You can only pick one. Did um, Emma slip year five yesterday? See my ASCII, Adam. No comment. Player, so. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> the best for me would be Darren Huckabee. Um, yeah, so I just thought that front three was absolutely lethal that season. Um, I remember being, I would have been about 11, 12, watching Gilling. We played Gillingham away on Sky yeah. and he ripped him apart. Uh, that front three, like I just said, was absolutely lethal. <laughs> um, worst. 
I mean, like Matt Barnsley said, is you could literally roll a list out. Pick a whole team pretty um, much, couldn't you? Yeah, I mean... That's the last five years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I sent you a few, Christian and Tyree, what people have put back. I'm just looking at them there. I did say Leo Bonatini because when he signed for Wolves, he was, I think, like coming into the mid-season, he was top scorer in the championship when they won the league. And then he come to us and he just looked miles off it. You know, re- reputation-wise as well, Tom Ince is a, another very good shot. Yeah, that's true. Um, very under, very underwhelming. As much as I, yeah, as much as I dislike him, he's pretty much played his career at the top end of the championship. You know, we was mid-table under Pierce and he never looked with it. Ross McCormack, that one like that, I found. I thought Ross McCormack. Yeah, I think he had, his, yeah. he had a few health problems into McCormack, which was yeah, a shame. Yeah. Um, you know, like we were saying with reputation, Lee had a good one there with Michael Stewart. He'd come from Manu, like James Garner's come from there, and he was absolutely fucking useless. Um, so, yeah, I'll stick with what I've said. Bonatini, but you could literally reel off name after name after name, yeah. to be fair. Um, for who had signed there? I mean, all five of his loanies, I like them all. Um, you can't say Tutu because he's had his um, injury problems, unfortunately. For me, it'd be Zinkanakul because I just think he is a class above. Technically really good, always wanting the ball. Um, he is a type of player who over a season would, in a, you know, if we improve, well, it depends where we go with this season, but if we look into push on, this season or next or whatever, he's a type of player who could get you the numbers what Lolly got in the Karanka season, double figures, goals and assists for me. Um, you think he's really good looking as well, don't you, Reese? He's a good looking, <laughs> uh, he's a good looking chap, I must say. Um, seen a few um, of the um, women I follow on um, Twitter have already got oh, their eye on so. a big fan, yeah. Yep. Fair, say fair, very play, fair play to him. <laughs> Um, I think my favourite one I think there are a lot of submissions I, w- I would also agree with Huckabee I, I remember that Gillingham game where we scored literally from kickoff. We just he just, he just he walked past three or four players obviously being in the south as well Gillingham's one of the teams that's closest to me so to do them 4-1 or a patch that was a great day for me um, although I think you know, Ryan Bertrand I think is very underrated you know, someone who will be a Champions League winner very good for that six months and again Harmed us not getting him for the rest of the season. Nicky Shorey was phenomenal in that little run. I think, yeah, I think though I will go for someone else who came at that time. And it was Aaron Ramsey. And okay, Ramsey was only with us about nine or ten games, but you could see in those nine or ten games just how fucking good he was. And like, um, I remember the Derby game, the five-two, and he was just like sprinkling magic dust around the city grounds. The way he just, the way he glided with the ball, the way he just moved a bit, he was just like. You think, goodness me, can we like chain him to the ground and keep him forever? Like he was just such a classy player to watch. And like, yeah, you could tell he had that that Wenger DNA just built in him. Just like it was so good from a, from purest perspective to watch Ramsey strike stuff. Top tier. Worst, I mean, we've got Makeda, we've got Dear Carby, we've got Avicilio, we've got a lot. I think it would be Dear Carby for me because the fact that he cost 12 million pounds for Huddersfield and then came to us like he couldn't kick a fucking football. Like Dimitri came close, but I think in terms of expectations versus what we got, the Akabi would be there because a better signing probably helps us get over the line. And I agree with Reese, I would sign Zinkenagel. I think there are strong shades of Lolly from that Cranker season, and I would very much like to keep him permanently. He looks very, very good. Just a shame Watford haven't for five more years, but we'll see if that affects his fee or not. 
Anyway, it's now time for a guest and what a guest we have. We have the athletic very own Daniel Taylor with us. So thank you so much for joining us tonight, Dan. Much appreciated. Pleasure. Um, yeah. Not sure been... what we're going to talk about. It's like um, there's nothing to complain about at the moment. It's like <laughs> you know, oh, we'll find something, I'm sure. Dynamic uh, change, yeah. I'm sure we'll find something, yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously you had a um I think your tweet sort of summed it up for really, you the way the atmosphere sort of came back in the ground for like the Blackpool game. It was a very enjoyable experience watching Forest again. Yeah, it was just um it was just well, it's just nice, wasn't it? It's was like it, I mean, I can't think of one game in Chris Hutton's time and I'd I'm not like, you know, I I, I don't <laughs> I don't hate Chris Hutton or anything, but it's just like that whole period just seems to it's just like I don't know, it's just like I can't think of a game during that whole period that I enjoyed watching or it sort of felt like to be honest, I mean Swansea away, we lost, but they actually played quite decent and but I, I can't um I can't think of a game during that whole time that we were like so I mean Steve Cooper's come in and just done brilliantly really just but it's just it was just you know the whole so I, I was in Bridgeford Upper, so basically um obviously had the away fans right beneath us and it was just like the atmosphere was brilliant. The team, I mean that was the best I've ever seen Ryan Yates play, you know, like I mean he he was doing no yard sorry, no yard, he was doing no look passes at one at one moment. So <laughs> it's um, you know, Colbacks you know, being re- reinvigorated, Graben, like just, I mean, you look at Graben and, and that again is just a massive indictment of, of the previous manager and just like the way he clearly, clearly, well, I mean, how many, you know, I think our touches and stuff were so, you know, we had the worst stats or, or certainly in the bottom three for worst stats for touches in the opposition penalty area and and all those sort of like attacking stats that you can get and, you know, it, uh, Graben obviously suffered for that. And then we see sort of like a new adventurous mindset and then, he, you know, Graben's like a new player, isn't he? You know, so, so yeah, it's, it was great. And um, yeah, it was good fun. And it was just like, you know, just kind of what you want to go and watch Forest and, and, and you know, and see basically. And it's almost like kind of like one of those moments where you can sort of realise, you're reminded why you love it, if you know what I mean, rather yeah. than all the crap times where you just, you know, Endure it's, just, it. it's not been fun, has it? For, I mean, really, since like, since being Leeds, it's just been, just been on a, you know, it's been a, a bad ride. Well, let's hope it picks up. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's certainly, certainly looking better. And like you said, I mean, it feels like the shackles aren't so much off, but like someone just launched them into the trend and hopefully they stay there forever because it's, you know, it's good. It's exciting watching like a very attacking, orientated forest side it's great like you know, it's, it's what fans want to come and see it's what you know it's what it's excited it's what enjoys. And as you say like you know, football is about entertainment it's not as much as anything else that like, you want to be excited you want to be thrilled so it's it's really nice i think to see forests sort of go back to those values yeah and i mean it was funny because i mean i think we all probably consider all of us here today and you know certainly um anyone that's on sort of social media and read what all the Swansea fans were telling us about how, you know, we were going to be bored, stiff, and it was just, you know, getting rid of one dreary manager for another dreary manager. And, you know, it's, and, and I mean, even like Steve Cooper's, again, you know, I feel like I'm kind of, you know, Chris Hewitt's gone and like, you know, I've kind of forgotten him already, if you know what I mean. But, but, his his um, his interview when he you know he's sort of like just even little things like Steve Cooper's interviews, you want to hear what he says. He's make, he makes interesting points. He doesn't just go down banal you know manager talk. Chris Hutton would quite openly kind of say stuff that he knew wasn't true. He'd sort of say it from six foot away, and and every manager does that to some extent. But 
but some are better than others you know so every you know some people's interviews are actually worth listening to and steve cooper you, i don't know you can sort of feel the enthusiasm and um you know it's just bought everyone on hasn't he you know um, i actually left the ground before the before the fist pump but just let those sort of little things you know and i look it's only you know it's a bit of i don't, I don't know if he'll be doing that for every game but it, it you know it's it's fun for, for now no, absolutely. It's like a bit of bravado goes a long way, doesn't it? And like yeah. said, it's it's enthusiasm, like you said. Like it does. He just seems to like. I suppose again, you can never. Obviously, as we know full well, all of us here, you can't really get attached to forest managers because you know, revolving door policies. It's been for the last yeah. 15, 20 years. But he does seem to like be genuinely enthusiastic about the club and wants to sort of like yeah. integrate it, and it, which is like, a breath of fresh air for all of us, really. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know. Um, I mean, more importantly, the, the the players are bought into it, you know, and, and you kind of hope that continues because one of the cycles at Forest is that the players will buy into a manager early on. Um, didn't really see that at Futon, to be honest, but certainly like certainly with Lamushi, you saw that for for you know a good six to nine months. Mm. Um, certainly the first six months, anyway, and um, and 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 then the players gradually fall out of love of them, and and that you you kind of like I think you you kind of tend to get a bit of that with. The top players don't need excuses, whereas the players who are just beneath that top level some, some sometimes look for excuses. And so basically, you know, and I mean, I saw something that Steve Cooper said in this post-match um, yesterday and basically was saying, that, you know, when, when Blackpool equalised, the players need to realise they're playing for a top club and that basically, you know, they have to overcome setbacks like that. And that was like such a, I thought that was such a good thing to say, basically, because sometimes at Forest, I think they look for excuses and sometimes the manager ends up being the excuse. So, so even with Lamushi in the in the last few months, they'd, they'd gone off him. Karanka, they went off him. Martin and Neil, they never went any, you know, they just weren't having Martin from very, very early on. And these, you know, sometimes, I mean, in fairness to these guys, they've all, they, these guys have all won promotions before. And, you know, some of the, a lot of the players in the dressing room haven't. So, you know, you hope, you hope that the players will, will, they've obviously bought into Steve Cooper. You hope that this isn't just a kind of a, the manager bounce that you get. I mean, you know, it's like Mick McCarthy's manager bounce, if that's the correct phrase, at Cardiff. He was like, you know, I mean, they, they were like the informed team in, in, in the championship for a long, long time. And basically, you know, beating everyone in the league and, and um, you know, looking brilliant. And now, now obviously the players of Cardiff have decided that, you know, they're not that keen on him after all. And, and basically they're on the worst run in the league. So, you know, so that's what I'm trying to say is let's hope this continues rather than it being like a three month honeymoon. Absolutely. Yeah. Things and toes cost anyway. Do you know, do you know, as, a, do you know as a writer, Dan, as well, I bet it's quite refreshing for you not to write about the same boring shit as well. And like, uh, like yeah. oh, we've lost uh, again. The things are, yeah. Yeah. So the things with me, everyone's gone, oh, I'm fucking negative, but... It's like there hasn't been much to be positive about. I also like if 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 I do what they said they 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 you know well listen I real I'm I'm realised that things sometimes don't go to plan, but I would love to write happy stuff about Forest. You know I, I would love to be a cheerleader and cover them in the Premier League and but it's just like you know I mean you know Fowers and then like you know I mean you know all, all the various broken promises of the last few years and. You know, it's it's you know we're all crying out for a bit of common sense, aren't we? The way the you know in in the way the clubs run, run sorry. So so yeah, I mean, and I take your point. You know, it's it's nice to be able to even just even just like the even just like a tweet. You know, I was there yesterday with my son. I wasn't working, so 
I wasn't writing about them, but I might do a Q&A next week, just purely so I can actually answer some questions in a in an upbeat manner rather than, it, you know, it all, you know, I mean, we've, yeah, it's been a, hasn't been great fun, has it really? So it's hard to, you know, I always say, it's the same things, it's the same with every club in the country. If If they do good things and they play well and they act well, then, they will get good good media, and if if they don't do good things and they don't play well, then people will question. Well, I will certainly question them, and then um, and then obviously that's just that's just the way it is. But let, let's um, you know, I'd rather that that never happened. But unfortunately, unless you unless you've had your eyes closed for the last however many years, Forest have been you know. I mean, I, I covered so many. Obviously, I covered all all sorts of clubs, and when I when I talk to the people from those clubs, they all know me as the Forest fan. <laughs> it's embarrassing because they all talk to me with with not just sympathy, but they're all like, you know, what the fuck happens at that club? It's like, <laughs> you know, it, you know, it's it's like a, I wouldn't say car crash, but it's basically they they all like is a they think of it as a madhouse. And Forest's reputation for our English football is not great. It's not the only club that's not got a great reputation, but you know, so I, I'm I'm kind of like used to it now. I've had these conversations so many, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of times with different people, people asking me you know to try and make sense of it and and it's like you know I, I would I would love to be reporting on a successful club so let's hope that that can happen <laughs> definitely um just obviously on the topic of the q and I think yeah. just something to warm you up is pretty much what we have planned yeah. for you tonight so basically we're going to go sort of like round robin style sort of almost and then yeah just ask questions and try and pick your brains and all things forests it's very much okay. oracle but um, <laughs> um I guess we'll jump in with a very nice, easy, simple question for you. Uh, this is something that I've wanted to know an answer for for quite a, one, a long time. Yeah. Can you explain to me why a film producer sits on the board of Nottingham Forest Football Club? <laughs> oh, God. Can I go straight in there with that one? You call that, that, be nice, that is one. a yeah. two-footer from Jack Robinson. <laughs> I, I, I said to Dan, no hard questions. <laughs> um, basically, now, this. Marinakis's reputation, just think about it, Marinakis's reputation in English football, or football generally, look, look, he's not had anything proven against him, but when he came in, we all know that his, you know, we all know the the bakery story, we all know, we all know things that have been alleged against him, you know, as I say, I have to, for legal reasons, so I don't get this uh, podcast closed down, you know, he's <laughs> never been found guilty of anything, etc, etc. However, he, his reputation, you know, that is the first two things you think about when you hear his name. He, he will be clearly very conscious about that. You know, there, there is an element, there always is an element of, you know, overseas owners buying football clubs to improve their own standing, you know, their own reputation, their own status. And his status needed improving. So basically, first of all, he brought in Nick Randall, or I should say Nicholas Randall QC, because... You know, literally, people at Forest get if they don't write that down. You know, because QC. I mean, the irony here is that you know I've been to court cases and stuff, and QCs are kind of paid to defend the indefensible sometimes. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> but you know, to the those two letters, and this is, you know, I'm told this is a bit of a direct quote. You know, Mr. Maranakis paid a lot for those two letters, basically. So first of all, that kind of gives you a very uh, respectable kind of front of house um, presence, you know, basically, you know, because you've got a man of, you know, a legal man in, you know, fronting up your football club as the chairman. And it's like, kind of, you know, it looks good. It's like it, it, it presents a certain image. 
And then basically they wanted local kind of popularity. So it wasn't about a film. It's basically about the fact that they saw Johnny as someone that had praise for writing a film or documentary or, you know, it was at the cinema for a day. And, um, and so basically at, at that time they saw, oh, Johnny's are in to, um, you know, to kind of like, to, I don't know, it's, it's, I'm trying to speak on their behalf, but it doesn't make sense ultimately. Clearly, clearly it doesn't make sense. I think everyone knows that and it's daft. And I think Johnny, if, I don't know if anyone here knows, I think even Johnny would probably admit he's made some pretty silly errors. Um, I think Nick might admit the same um, because, you know, Nick is a very intelligent man. And I think Nick's almost becoming a bit of a kind of, uh, you know, it sounds a bit nasty, but slightly comical alley sort of figure, really. You know, he sort of, he, he, um, everything he says, you kind of like, I find yourself now kind of, can he trust what he said? I mean, it's only, it was only three weeks before Chris Hutton was, you know, basically left that he was telling us that, that we were the envy of Premier League clubs having Chris Hutton, that he, had, he was a manager of unparalleled reputation. I mean, Okay, let, let's see how many Premier League clubs are now going to be rushing to knock on Chris Hutton's door, you know, or, or is, you know, or, or were in the months before he took the job. You know, it, it's just silly talk, basically. You know, his his open letter is just, you know, and I'm, you know, listen, I'm meant to be, you know, I'm meant to be a cynical journalist that should be slightly experienced in these matters. I was taken by it because it's my football club, so I wanted to believe it. I think we all wanted to believe all that stuff in the open letter, all, all those kind of, you know so many great things that were being promised and stuff. So, you know, it turned out to be a falsehood, really. So, but I mean, to go back to your, your original question, I know I'm rambling on a tangent, but he, Johnny was seen as the kind of in to get the fans on side as well. And obviously Johnny then took this sort of big role in terms of like, couldn't, couldn't let any, couldn't be seen like influencers, is, you know, on social media kind of, spreading bad, you know, that that was like kind of, you know, Johnny was there to stop that and to create this kind of like happy go look at everyone. Everyone's so, you know, so, you know, Mr. Marinakis, you know, our, our savior, you know, this, this false image really. And it's, and it was, and it was all based, well, increasingly became based on PR spin. And PR spins kind of a lot of the time lies. And, and, you know, I mean, listen, there's no point going through all the, all the sort of things on social media, but for, for us for a while, we became obsessed with social media. And it's like, they're the, you know, it's just the fighting so many little battles that didn't need to be fought. And the whole thing's stupid. Um, you know, I'm told, listen, I'm told, I'm told, listen, Johnny, Johnny is not the main problem of why Forrest have been, you know, poor for all these years. There is a problem in terms of the leadership of the club, and people always people go, "Oh, it should be the players," but it's well. Look at the people who are buying the players or who are in charge of the direction of the club. That's 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 where it all goes back to. But you know, it's you know he's still there. He's, he's you know yeah. he's, I don't think I don't think he goes to games. I think he, you know it's been described to me. He's like he's like our first bomb squad director. You know, he, <laughs> uh, he's not there, but he's collecting his money. So basically, he's got a contract. They were all on Nick, Nick Vander was on a contract. Um, well, it still is on a contract, but he was on a three year contract and then it got re renegotiated with lower terms. Um, after three years, and he was meant to be a non exec chairman, but I think to be fair to him, he's carried on being effectively full time. Um, and 
yeah so so john i, I mean i'm told he, he, he you know he's just not seen but i mean effectively he is he's still one of three if you count you know three and a half well four people running the club um they, they scary don't. isn't it yeah. yeah i mean to, to be fair listen to be fair the the, the key figure on the board who has let Forrest down and made terrible decisions and was the guy who treated Karanka really, really badly. I know Karanka now sort of divides opinion. People always forget that Karanka was actually hugely popular with the fans at the time. But Karanka, the karanka Yanis fallout was really nasty. And this is what I mean about PR and spin. They did exceedingly well to keep that from coming out properly at the time and I actually I've actually apologized correct because I actually feel that I was caught in between two positions and I should have basically kind of gone with the manager right but I was kind of like just basically caught right in the middle I was in one of those sort of slightly awkward positions well very awkward positions um and you know the more I thought about afterwards you know I just I made a bad decision basically and I should you know I saw what was happening and I didn't lie on the club's behalf. I was asked to lie on the club's behalf, but I wouldn't do that. But I also didn't come to Cranker's um, defence and actually tell people what was going on. And I kind of one of the one of the many things in the last few years that I kind of feel like I didn't make the greatest decision on. Um, so, um, but anyway, my my point is that yeah, I understand why Johnny, the fans are just like, what the hell is he doing there? I mean. Yanis was a guy working, Yanis was an accountant working in telecommunications. There's a lot of directors who get directorial jobs without any kind of, you know, you look at them and you think, why are you there? I mean, Nick Randall was a QC for, you know, however many years, he's in his 50s. It's not like he's worked in football before, you know, so you basically got really nobody has worked in football before. It's not just Johnny. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but my point is that Yanis was, Yanis was the, the, Yanis ran that football club like if you wanted to buy a toilet roll, you had to run it by Yanis. Yanis ran everything. This is my concern for Dane Murphy, that Yanis staying around, he is not. He's not the kind of guy that basically just goes, okay, you know, good luck, here you go. You know, he's, you know, he's the opposite of that guy, and that's the problem, and that's why, I think Dane. To be fair, I think it's definitely calmed down, and I think as soon as they start winning, everything always seems a lot rosier. But I think Dane found that initial getting to know you stage is difficult um, because, you know, however they dress it up, you're a club that's effectively got two chief execs, basically. And, um, you know, and I don't think that was what Dane initially signed up for. No. Well, no, it wasn't. <laughs> um, Reese, I think that leads on nicely to your question, I think, mate. Yeah, um... I mean, it's funny I should mention Karanka, Dan, because my question is a player who was signed under Karanka, our record signing, Jao Carvalho, who I think we all probably agree, I'm not sure about yourself, under Karanka was progressing pretty nicely. Yeah. Um, we, we knew, I think, people with any brain cell would know. I know we spent a lot of money on him, but he was never going to be the finished article. He'd never even played really professionally. What do you make to that whole deal and where do you kind of see what do you think will happen with Carvalho now? I mean, he's not um, really going to have much resale value yeah, at all, is he, at the minute? No, he was on the bench yesterday. I, I mean, mm. yeah, it's it's a it's a long story. I, I feel like we've treated him badly, definitely, but we've treated a lot of players badly. The list of players 
who have come in and, and I'm gen, you know, I think, think like it's just, just, just as being a fan of my, to see my club, the way, the way that they've treated so many players, so many players have left Forest with like, with so little, so with nothing to say good about the football club, like because, just because of the way they've been treated, you know, the, so many players have been bomb squatted and when they're in the bomb squad, they're just treated like dirt, basically. Um, I mean, Carvalho was it was 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 in it briefly, but then moved out. Um, yeah, it's a long story. I mean, basically, yeah. If if Cranko had stayed, he probably, I mean, he was doing well, wasn't he? We, we, you know, he was he was a fan favourite. He he was he didn't always do it, but you know, he yeah. he was he was doing well. That that was the point. I mean, there is a there is a you know there is a pattern of the future man the next manager's not picking him. And so they see him more than far more than I do. So I would never put myself in a position to say that they're, they're wrong. Or I don't think Carvalho is the type of guy <clears throat> who basically, if he's out of the team, he's not the type of guy that turns up for training half an hour early, or stays late, or goes and knocks on the manager's door and says, you know, like I want to know why I'm out of the team, and like you know, uh, he he, fe- he feels that basically he can show it in training by training well, but he's just. He's just like a he's just like a nice young guy, if you know what I mean. He's just not got perhaps that extra little element that will kind of I don't want to call it competitive courage, but it's just you know I mean he was twenty one, wasn't he? When he moved, you know, he's moved to a new country. He's done a lot of things that I like. So basically, he, he came over. He started learning English. The club didn't pay for that. He bought. That sounds stupid. He bought a dog. He, was, he wanted to settle in Nottingham. He he, he embraced the city. I'll tell you one story that sums up how half-faced the club can be. His, his um, girlfriend, fiancé now, opened a shop on, um, is it Bride or Smithgate? Um, she opened a kind of... RC, wasn't it? I think it's Carsey it, clothing it or like something. A, yeah. It's like, a, it's like a ladies' boutique shop. I've never yeah. been in it, but it was a high, you know, fashion. Basically, Forest, most, people, most football clubs, and I, I looked at that and thought, this is a guy who's putting down his roots and he wants to kind of, it's not a charity. It's not like he's giving back to the community or anything, but he's basically, you know, he's showing himself to, to have embraced the, not, not many people do that, especially, you know, they're earning a lot of money. They don't need to do, don't necessarily need to do stuff like that. I, so I thought it was quite a good thing. Forrest were hugely pissed off when they found out about it. When I, when I, and like, and I'm not just talking about like a day, they held it against him massively. They they described they just I mean I don't know if you're allowed but they described it to me as a um, effing bikini shop, which is like well I mean it's not even a bikini shop so, so you know it's but that sort of shows that they just saw it as that he was distracted. They had a they had an opening to kind of open this shop, and I was told that you know like he he was worried about being there because he knew it'd be held against him. So you know this is what I mean about. He's a 21-year-old lad in a foreign country. They should be putting their arm around him. And I mean, as I say, I think he I think he had to pay for his own English lessons and stuff like that. You know, he's there's just no kind of care for maybe this is going back. To, I, I couldn't tell you if this is the case in the last year or so, perhaps. But there's just sort of no care for the or not enough care for for these young, you know, the kind of young guys that have moved to a foreign country. Ribeiro wasn't treated very well at all. Figueiredo hasn't been treated very well at all. Figueiredo for a long time wanted to leave. I, I think that's, you know, I think things have been sorted out that end now, but it's just a case of like, you know, you've got to treat, 
and what you know, seeing their mates, the way the, the way the mates have been treated in the bomb squad. You know, you go in the bomb squad, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to eat with the main players. Your training times are deliberately set away, so you, you arrive, you're training, you, you get changed in the academy building. Um, you know, it's just you know, you're treated like lepers basically. Um, like Pantilamon, basically, and I, I didn't think Pantilamon was a brilliant goalkeeper. I don't have any great affection for him or anything, but Pantilamon had a um, a daughter in in a I, I couldn't tell you the I, I'm not quite sure. I think she had she even had health problems or she she was disabled or there was, there was she she needed to go to a specially to a special school in Nottingham. She was very settled in Nottingham. He liked it in Nottingham. He had a clause in his contract that if he played what, like one more game, they had to pay an extra um, element to Watford, wasn't it? So basically, they decided we don't want to pay that extra amount. I mean, how much would that have been? I don't think it would have been much. It was on 25 grand a week. So they basically took him out of the team so he wouldn't play, so they wouldn't have to pay for it. And basically sat in the bomb squad because he didn't want to leave Nottingham. They wanted to get, they wanted to push him out to Olympiacos, and he didn't want to go because he's got like his family settled. It's important to him. So for, I think for nine months he was in the, he was basically rotting behind the scenes. But he's on twenty five grand a week. So financially, where was the sense in doing that? You know, you've saved yourself the payment with Watford, but you're paying like this guy hundred grand a month, and he's there for nine months. It's nearly a million quid. For doing nothing, you know, all these players are earning a shitload for doing nothing, and they're, they're basically sat Frank Clark for pittance. <laughs> you know, like they even, even offer Frank Clark a life, you know, you know, whatever the title, vice presidency or whatever. They get rid of, and they put it out that it's cost cutting, which makes the fans think, oh, he must have, you know. I saw, I saw someone I know on Twitter, someone, you know, who I follow on Twitter, basically saying, oh, well, you know, this this helps us get Brennan, Jens, Brennan Johnson's contract over the line. I'm like Frank Clark. Well, Frank Clark was a was a, a match day ambassador for what 19 weekend, 19 days a season. He, you know, he was basically there to kind of as a, as a front of house to sort of shake hands with the opposition directors. And you know, every single club in the country has these people, uh, you know, who 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 are you know club legend, you know, important people in your in in your club story. And Frank Clark is, you know, behind. I mean, how many people behind Brian Clough have done more for? Nottingham Forest and the Frank Clark, you know, it, it's just, you know. So I mean, I was d- disappointed, as you can probably tell. I was disappointed when I found out about that one. So we'll move on to Lee now. Lee, what's your question, mate? Yeah, mine's probably going to be slightly easier than Christian's opener, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess um, obviously with the signings we made in the summer, we did make some good ones, you know, particularly the loans. Um, but I just thought. You know the signings of Draga and Ely and Silver, especially, just yeah. kind of stank of of Rentsos still having a, a bigger a bigger role at the club than um, perhaps you know they're letting on. Uh, I just wondered if if you kind of knew if that was the case, and and given the fact that those three have not really featured at all yet, um, obviously yeah. we've heard that Dragon might have been a uh, one for the, that the data guys have have recommended, but I just wondered if if you thought it'd be quite telling with the club. In terms of you know, you know, avoiding this situation happening during the January transfer window. Yeah, um, I can't. I must admit, on the on the night of the transfer window, I think we all thought the same, and we all. Um, I saw, I mean, you know, my heart sank a bit really, and I'd all, I'd kind of been told that Yanis was, you know, Yanis was in touch with agents, and he was he was 
still on the scene, which was obviously, I kind of suspected that was the case, but then, so, you know, Yanis effectively, I don't, I don't think he was um, not selecting the players. And obviously, you know, Yanis's involvement is sort of the financial side of it, what it's meant to be. Um, to be honest, so on the night of it, I, I was, you know, I was the same as most of us. I was a bit like, you know, I'd, you know, with oh, great, we've signed another player from Olympiacos. You know, Olympiacos, I mean, his stats, so when I say stats, I don't mean, I mean, he's like, you know, the number of games he's played. Um, you know, it, it's not hugely encouraging. And we, we seem, you know, we've obviously had the sort of fin end, fin edge, fin end of the wedge with, with, um, those ones but but then uh, to be to be fair I did have some discussions in the in the coming days and I was kind of I did I did end up feeling a lot better about it actually you know it was basically um it wasn't quite as um wasn't quite as blatant as as, as I think it looked if, if that makes sense you know so I think there was a bit more there's a bit more nuance to it <clears throat> certainly and and I didn't get the feeling that that there was any kind of like you know Yanis has come over the top and he's basically you know yeah, I mean, Yanis, Yanis lived for, for transfer deadline. You know, he lived for sacking people and, and he lived for transfer deadline. <laughs> you know, he loved it. He loved, he loved being the guy who closed deals and, you know, made things, you know. Um, and so it, it's kind of, it's not a surprise that he was kind of like on the scene. But, um, but yeah, I, I, listen, in the, in the following days, I did, I did speak to some sort of, to people who, who actually kind of explained it in, in better detail and it's it's you know essentially i wasn't as alarmed after i'd spoken to them as i was on the actual night i mean it is you know i mean uh, i don't know is silver meant to be injured or is he just sort of vanished or he's just vanished. <laughs> I don't, I don't, yeah. i've not heard that he's injured but... he's just vanished i mean my my only i mean it's funny because but by the time we signed spence i kind of like you know I'd, i i think you know it'd been a long you know, it'd been a long, um, long window and a long, long few days. And, and obviously I was watching them yesterday and Spence, and, I mean, Spence and Lowe are now like so important to the way we play. And so that's my, so, you know, things have changed, you know, I'm, I'm now like, you know, it's such, it's such a shame really that they're lone players because, you know, that, that you know, that'd be, um, I think, I think eventually the, the, you know, the, the, the ambition is to basically sign a couple of good lone players and sign five, say, um, permanent players, whereas at this moment we're kind of like the other way around. We're sort of signed, we end up signing about five lone players, and I think they realise that that's not brilliant. You know, we're not, you know, we're improving players for other clubs, or you know, it's any sort of short-term arrangements. And um, but, but you know, those, those, you know, to be fair to the the, the the new recruitment team, they seem to have done really well. Those two, um, I just, you know, I just haven't seen the other the others to to be able to comment on them properly. Uh, you know, we, we it's it's undeniable, and they would admit they would say the same themselves. We missed a lot of our main targets, and a lot of that comes back to what I was mentioning earlier that we were going in. You know, we we it was just money, basically. We we were we were going in really low, and when and there, and there was no real compromise for a lot of them. And basically, you know, so some of some of them, you know, maybe the clubs are asking too much or whatever. But and sometimes you have to walk away. You know, that that, that makes sense, but. We we miss an awful lot of our main targets, and that and you know, I'm, so we'll, I mean we'll never know whether they would have been better than what we've got. But you know, I mean, funnily enough, you know, Buchanan was like one of the one of the top three targets, and obviously we went in really low on the money with him, which was 
I thought it was a bit strange because of Derby, you, you have to pay a premium basically. But then obviously with Max Lowe, I think he's done brilliantly. So, and then Jed Spencer, you know, you know, he's great for that system, isn't he? Wing back. So, so I'm not, you know, we'll, we'll see in January. I think, I think in January they need to, we're still short on fullbacks, basically. You know, when we play Sheffield United, Lowe won't be able to play. So basically, you know, looking at wrong. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> I, I think, I think January we'll see a left back come in. It's a shame about, um, say Tutu's injury because you know that kind of he, he he if he was fit would be again that kind of attacking right wing back would have been perfect but I mean it sounds like he's a long way off and he's obviously got problems so I don't know um, Adam sure I mean I, I've got a few more fun ones but I just wanted to follow on for that Dan really um, the recruitment do you think yeah. Now we'll actually see. This might not be one of the other lads' questions, but do you think this will actually see now a change of direction of recruitment and how we do stuff? Will like Dave Murphy and Steve Cooper actually get a chance to build a squad now rather than yeah. get these loan players in? Because it wasn't like a policy. I know, and I always I refer to Brentford a lot because I I, I really admire their their way forward of things, but. Do you, do, they don't. They don't. They don't sign no loan players. They only sign permanent to, to yeah. make their own team better and obviously have more assets to sell if they need to. Because they've signed. They've sold Ollie Watkins and Neil Mope for upwards of fifteen million or whatever it was for the last couple yeah. of seasons. So do you think we'll actually follow in those sort of footsteps? Yeah. No. Definitely. Um, so ha- as it's been explained to me, basically, I mean, you all know this. We're looking at younger players, um, which. It's not really rocket science. I mean, it's like kind of, you know, it's a great change in direction for us, but it's not like something that other clubs aren't doing. It's, you know, we're, in a way, we're almost playing catch. But, you know, younger players that basically will go upwards because if you look at our, look at the players, you know, we, I mean, we've had like a revolving door of players, but like look at how many players have left Forest, and uh, in the last sort of, you know, I suppose five years or so and... Um, well, let's say the Maranakis era and basically gone to the Premier League from Forest that we've signed. And it's like there's Jack Robinson, basically. That's the only, you know, and look at how many players that we've that we've signed and then sold for a profit. And I, I don't think there's any, is there? Unless I'm missing anyone's top, top of the head. But, I don't think so. so. No, no. Not since Antonio, so, maybe. Yeah, so, if, well, he, he was before, though, wasn't he? he was I suppose, yeah. yeah. So you saw, yeah. yeah, pre-marriage, yeah. 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 So, 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 we have to go that far back, so it's quite a lot. Yeah, so if you think that we've signed like what is it like eighty players, um, you know, probably more if you count all the sort of stream of under twenty threes that come in and that we never really see um, much of. But you know, all on wages, you know, you know, our wage our wage bill and the amount of money that we've that we've you know spent on this is is massive. So basically, the clubs. So in terms of like looking after the club for starters, if they don't get to Premier, obviously the you know, if the, ideally we want them to get to Premier League with us, but Forrest are like, look, if they, if they don't do it with us, then they can still do it. And basically, they want they want age, they want agents as much as anyone to realise that Forest is a club where people, young players, can improve and go upwards, because that hasn't happened in the last few years. So that's another mindset, a change in mindset, basically. Um, you know, we were. I, I wouldn't say we'll never sign anyone over the age of 26 because we clearly will, but there's a, I think it would be a rarity, put it that way, that, that we did that. And I think it would be kind of like 
almost to the point of, well, we've got a very inexperienced team here. We need that kind of championship type play. You know, um, you mentioned Brentford then, but, you know, someone said to me, you know, if you needed like a kind of a Pontus Janssen type Even Winston Reid, they started Winston Reid, didn't they, alone towards back in the uh, Yeah, you know, to basically kind of like, you know, a, a leader that's basically got some experience. I mean, you know, we've got a kind of, we've got a player like that in Joe Worrell, you know, he's 24. Um, but, you know, you know the point I'm trying to make that, you know, I mean, it's course, unusual yeah. for a team to go with an average age of 22, 23. But, but basically the idea is that we, we will be in the, in the top 10, I think, this season for youngest average age and that, and that, that pattern will continue. So we're, we're looking for players that, you know, you sign, you sign players that are in, at the end of their career and they're not particularly hungry because they've made the money. They, you know, fans don't like watching old teams, you know, as we all know. It's much more exciting watching a young, vibrant team. Um, you know, you'd rather watch kind of, you know, Brennan Johnson sort of motoring down the wing than, you know, than some of the other kind of, you know, I can't struggle to think of a, of a comparison here, but you know the point I'm trying to make. So, of course. So, yes, yeah, so, so all, the, all these things are very refreshing to hear basically and um and it just seems you know like you know you, you know it's like on on and trans transfer deadline day at forest has always just ended up being a bit mad and that's what was depressing about this last one because all of a sudden it just seemed like we were going in for you know players that we had never heard we'd never heard of and i think it felt like we'd just re- taken a couple of steps back and that's why i think a lot of us were very depressed about that last sort of night but but as I said, but i think if you look at the bigger picture, it feels a lot, there's a lot more common sense being attached to it. Definitely. Um, yes. So the next question I've got for you, we're actually going to go quite far back for this one. So mm. I'm pretty sure it was your report in the Guardian that formed this for the first time. Uh, so we're going to go all the way back to 2011. Um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, yeah, another fun time. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure um, it was you. I, can't, I think it might have been a Q&A somewhere, but right. I'm pretty sure it was, um, the message was that you'd got was that, even if Forrest had won promotion via the playoffs in 2011, so when we yeah. had Swansea, that Davis would have been gone regardless. <laughs> yeah. was, was that true? Yeah. And I mean, that's quite, I mean, if that's the case, how bad was yeah. it behind the scenes? Because obviously, like, we only found that, we, obviously, we, we could see he was frustrated that he didn't have money. We only signed, we spent 300 grand across what, three yeah, yeah. windows, I think. But it must have been a pretty bad rift for that to be, you know, if yeah. you, you get well, promotion, you're being sacked. Like, well, listen, you, you, you all know what Billy's like, don't you? So basically, Billy's, Billy had... Billy, the reason why Billy hated me, by the way, was because he thought that me, me and Mark Arthur were like... like um, oh, I don't know. I've spoken to Mark Arthur once in my life, but Billy got it in his head that, that I was some sort of, like, confidant to Mark Arthur, and obviously he detested Mark Arthur. So in between getting, you know, losing his job the first time and then coming back, he's kind of, like, done his little black book of who are of who's, who's enemies... And I was because I was Mark Arthur's mate. And this is the kind of, I, I mean, I've literally, you know, I've spoken to Mark Arthur once. And when I rang Mark Arthur, his first words were, oh, I thought he didn't like me. So that was my relationship with Mark Arthur, basically. But, but um, yeah, it, that was, um, so, listen, you all know what Billy's like. I mean, he's, he's impossible. He, he um, is, polit- I mean, politics are off the scale. You know, I've dealt with Fergie. I thought of all these managers, you know, Billy Davis is the most political person I've ever met by mile. Um, so basically, he he'd driven Nigel Doughty to the point of kind of despair. You know, I mean, you're, I mean, this is you're going back a long time now. So, um, 
this is all the era of him hating the whole transfer acquisitions committee. Every football club in the country has a transfer acquisitions committee. It's just Forrest was stupid enough to call it that. But every there isn't a you know every club going has a panel of people that discuss whether they can afford it. Is he the right player? If they didn't, we'd all be jumping up and down now saying how, how backwards the club are. So, but he um, he hated David Pleat. He hated Mark Arthur. He created a lot of problems for Nigel. Can you remember the story about? Was this this was first time, wasn't it? He was on the plane. Was it, he was on the plane from Glasgow to Nottingham, and he sat next to a guy in the plane. And this complete stranger and told him all these problems. And this guy just went straight on a forest forum. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, literally put everything out there. And it's just like, you know, that's the sort of thing that would be seen by the club within an hour. Um, but if you remember, I think this sums it up. And I'll try not to drop anyone in it here. If you remember, Forrest, this was this sums up the relationship because you're talking about the relationship. Forrest, someone at Forrest put it out and this this will still be out there as well that that they were pissed off for Billy because he was only working was it two two days a week or something like that and they wanted it in the press that they didn't think that they didn't think he was working hard enough and so that was put out strategically by the by the club because they I mean they clearly they weren't making it up that's what that's how they felt I'm sure Billy you know who keeps like dossiers of all this stuff at home um I'm sure Billy, you know, would have his own view on that and everything. But, but um, he'll he'll listen to this now. He, honestly, you don't know, you do not realise how he he will find this and he will be listening <laughs> to one of this now. So, <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, so basically, if they got basically the idea was if he if he got promoted, Nigel Doughty he had a house in Baham in the Bahamas. He was he, he was basically going to um, sack Billy Davis, and he was going to go to the Bahamas for three weeks to avoid all the all the flack that was flying but it wasn't like there was a lot of everyone knew their relationship was it wasn't like kind of that would have been like out completely out of the blue everyone you know Billy Billy every press conference was going toward the club he tried to get the Celtic he tried to get the Celtic job as a even as a Rangers man his 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 um his mate Jim Price who obviously then became the effectively the chief executive of Forest despite being his agent and then I think it was, was it six months later gave him a new contract um Jim Price basically was being quoted in all the Scottish papers talking about how he'd how he'd like to talk about the Celtic job. Or, or if I, it's, no, it's ten years ago. I can't quite remember everything, but but you know he he's a schemer, Billy is, and it's been to his detriment. It's, it's quite it's quite it's quite mental as well because he's still regarded as probably one of Forest's best managers in the last fifteen years by a lot of fans, and people still it's, always make a bit of a joke saying when, bring back. King Billy for a, for a resurrection, <laughs> don't they? But not everyone's joking. Not, some people mean it. I, I mean, he when he for his second spell, you know, while he's sitting there plotting, thinking, "Oh, this little bastard, he he's mates with Mark Arthur," because he, I was actually wanting him to get the job. That's that's how much I kind of you know, I I I was not campaigning, but I was basically he was the guy I wanted to take the job. I knew he was a good manager, and he is a good manager. Well. When I say he's a good manager, to be a manager, you have to manage up, down, you have to manage in all sorts of ways. He's certainly good at motivating teams, tactics, the, you know, the old-fashioned football stuff. He's brilliant at that. It's, there's just a lot of other stuff that goes with it that, that, that is, he, that basically, you know, something in his head pops. But, I mean, you know, some of our, listen, we, we've had very, very slim pickings, haven't we, for... A long, long time, you know. I mean, the fact that we all remember an away game at West Brom, 
tells you how shit it's been being a Forest fan for 20 odd years. <laughs> but you know, that goal, you know, the 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 volley from um that effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. things like that. Just you know, you know, he he was he was kind of good for a while, but then just you know, listen, he hasn't been employed since, has he? He's not had a sniff of a job since. I think I'm sure he blames I'm sure he probably blames people like me for that. It's just a nonsense, really. <laughs> I'll bring you back to present present day, Dad. (laughs) Um, Has there been any progress in regards to the upgrading of the main stand? Not that I know, mate. I mean, I haven't given up, but... I mean, what do you think? It's just like... It's just like, you know, they said there'd be a decision this summer... If you go back, if you actually look back in like every time they basically said, oh, you know, we're going to submit our application, you know, here, they give it, you know, they, they keep giving dates. They never get anywhere near those dates. But strangely, I don't know why the local media just ignore it. That You know, it basically, mm-hmm. uh, to me, I'm kind of like, well, it's the end of the summer. This is a story. We're now in o- mid-October. But it just, I don't know, it just, it just. It just seems to because I was like debating with a fan on Twitter, another Forest fan, and he was like, "It's happening, it's happening." And well, I was like, "Well, until someone puts a great big telehandler through that main stand, it's not happening to me." You know, that's I'm kind exactly, of why it's got. I'm exactly, I'm exactly the same as that because this is the thing when when they get planning permission, which I think probably they will. I mean, they, they clearly thought they were going to get planning permission within three to six months. And this, this, I think, is the is the kind of Greek mentality that, and this is why Yannis ended up having a stand-up, well, not a row, because it was one-sided, but he basically ended up having, you know, shouting at the the council leader in a restaurant in West Bridgeford, because he's basically saying that in, in Greece, they, they, they just get their way, do you know what I mean? You know, there's, mm. if they wanted it, a stand, or they wanted something, it would, it would happen very quickly. It's not the same here, and basically, transportation was for, for example was always going to be a massive problem because there's only really like you can't change the roads roads at forest there's no trams there's no so all of a sudden you're going to be putting in another whatever it is seven or eight thousand seats you know there's no way there's, how are you going to improve the transportation links around the, you know so there's all sorts of complicated things that they clearly thought that they could just like you know shoo away just kind of wing yeah yeah, but, yeah. But, yeah. But, Basically, what will happen? I, f- I do think eventually they will get planning permission. I might be wrong because I'm, you know, I, I, but when they, I'm the same as what you just said there. Until I see a bulldozer go through it, because planning permission, I could get planning permission to have a kitchen extension, whether I could afford it or do it is another matter. But if you're, listen, if I, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to put myself in a position where people say I'm shit stirring. And a lot of people think that. You get planned permission for this new stand. It also could potentially improves the value of the, you know, if you're selling the club in a few years, it improves the value. I want to see, there's no, they've, they've not said when they're going to start the work. There's no like kind of, we are aiming. If you keep saying we want to get planning permission, so it's this summer, but you won't have read a statement anywhere where they've said, and then we're looking at doing the work next summer. So there's no, so basically, I don't think, even if they got planning permission tomorrow, they're going to be doing the network work next summer. So then you look at another two years on. So then Marinakis would have been here like six, what, what, what would it be, six years or something? It's like, Your take, I yeah. Know. You know, I, I, there's also, I, I don't know. So I'm not trying to say that he's done this purely to bump up the price. I genuinely don't know. I'm not saying he's not being genuine with what, with you know, he might want to do it himself. And 
you know, hallelujah if that happens. But it, the whole thing's been so drawn out, so so many deadlines, so many, you know, this. I think, you know, we're all a bit tired of it. And I just, as I say, I won't really think it's happening until I actually see the main stand start to come down. <laughs> because... <laughs> No, it's understandable. When, um, when, you know, it's going to take over. I mean, the work's going to take over. You know, at the earliest, I think you're going to look at seeing it. It 2024 would it be? Would that be the earliest? And you think that they were talking about doing it when they announced it, 2018, didn't they? It's a long time away. Six, six yeah, years. Yeah, after it six years. It's like it's like when they built a new Wembley into that went massively over yeah, the extension yeah. dates. And... Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I might end up. I might come across as sounding really ungrateful because this might happen and it might and it might look brilliant. But but I won't be punching the air when you get plan permission because that that is a box ticked. It's like you're still going to mm. come do it. Course, so yeah. that, that's 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 really the the moment where we can all be like, you know, when, when I hear that this is the date they've got set for the the bulldozers to come in, then that will be the moment when it starts to actually feel properly real, you know. So and this is. You know, if it has to happen, it's like for you know the main stand, it, it massively holds forest back. Like having, mm. you know, the grounds like I mean, we all love the ground. It's you know, you know, we all it's a beautiful ground. It's got so much going for it. Middle of the country, great fan base, but the ground's tired and and pretty run down in some places. You know, it's mm. just um, another got... quick one before. Sorry, Christian. Yeah. Uh, go on, I'll let you go first, actually. Well, it's, it's ironic enough, it is actually your question yeah. that you came up with. Um, oh. <laughs> I was, I was say, if you want to take it, it's, it's, it's more like, yeah, I think you know which one I mean. No, you, you go you go for it, mate, it's all right. All right, well, this is one that Reese, our, our pod host, uh, came up with. Um, <laughs> pod uh, uh, researcher. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess, obviously, as you said, you've said yourself so many times, Dan, that, like, you know, you were, I would, I would say suckered in because that was... Yeah suggest there was instant deceit which i don't think you like to hope isn't the case obviously you never know for sure but i'll admit i was suckered in i, I yeah. will hold my hands up and say okay well, we'll go that terminology yeah, but we always way, want mate let's yeah. be honest from the get-go so you were sort of like you know um taken aback by the whole yeah that is the miracle gates the arsenal etc etc at what point did a penny drop for you that this wasn't actually going to be the case and that in turn sort of made you turn not against the ownership research, but maybe become slightly more aware to it. What was the sort of like the light bulb moment for you when that happens? Um, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a light bulb moment. I think the cranker thing was a, a big thing because that was going on for months. And Karanka, Karanka's got listen. I know Karanka didn't do a good job at Birmingham and it didn't work out and everything. But it, you know, we, we, people were happy with him at, at Forest at that time, and it's you know I've seen like. You know, people being dismissive of him now, but it, it, you know, there was no need for the disruption. Basically, that that, that you know, it, it was silly, and it was a, and it was about a personal relationship. It was about the fact that Yanis decided really early on that he wasn't having him, and if Yanis is against you, then you're in trouble because basically, it's you know, it's it's un, well unpleasant, basically, mm. um, and I tore, I know. Yeah, I mean, fair play to him. He's never he will. He, he's always said, "I won't, I won't." I mean, tell you what, I'll, I'll rephrase that. He will. He will not come out ever and 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 do the kind of the big reveal about you know because he he basically holds Forest 
and the fan base with with too much respect for it to get messy like that. But the truth is, he he suffered big time doing that in terms of like in in terms of this the the well, it's not nice, is it? If basically your boss is if you, if your boss is um, um, how can I put it? Being bullying him, wouldn't he? Well, I wouldn't use that face. I wouldn't belittling him. If I know, if I can understand why you, I can understand why why he would say that phrase. But then, if I did, then it would be held against me by the club. We'll say it for you, and it's fine. (laughs) But essentially, it was it was deeply unpleasant, and I think it affected him a hell of a lot in his personal life. Put it that way, um, as it could do if your boss is is treating you in a way you wouldn't want to be treated by your boss. Um, you know, it affects lots of people badly when that happens. So, so effectively, um, yeah, it wasn't a good situation. And so that was, you know, so to, to be fair, this is, you know, as I say, I have actually spoken to Karenka and actually kind of pretty much apologised to him, to be honest, because, you know, during that time with, so Martin took the job, Forrest wanted to get it out that Karenka had lost the dressing room and stuff. And you have a few issues, like like every manager has a few issues. If you leave, you leave out players, I think like Joe Lolly was pissed off him in the end because he was being left out the last few games. And I'm sure I think Ben Osborne wasn't very happy with him. And you know, Ben Os- look at Ben Osborne's goal celebration against Leeds. You know, he's not. You know, he's 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 That's angry. Right. It's very muted. Yeah, it's very. I remember watching that. There's, there's, there's little things like that, but that happens in every dressing room in the country. It's not like, you know, if you, you wouldn't watch Forest and think that the players weren't enjoying football as a, on the whole and that we weren't behind the manager so that was so that that was when it started getting um messy the martin o'neill era then accelerated it into another world because that was when i think johnny owen kind of lost the plot um forest knew that they were getting fan pressure because cranker was popular and martin wasn't popular as a manager and so basically, all of a sudden, Forrest behind the scenes have gone for more. Oh, everyone's dig- everyone's behind us, and like we've that was the first time that basically they started getting any heat, and they and they couldn't take it, you know. And that's when it's so that's when it started getting really ludicrous. Um, and then you know, and then in a strange way, Carvalho has been a really divisive thing as well. You know, they they they, they knew that a lot of fans like Carvalho, and they found that really hard to. To take as well so so all these you know just it's not just that there's lots of other things you know i've seen like i mean i think i mentioned in an article about this thing about the departure lounge at forest <laughs> you know where basically people go in it and and it's and it's had that nickname because that's the last people see of them you know they're, they're, the short stay car park as well thing yeah yeah and basically and and i've seen people burned and and lots of people burned. i've seen frank clark getting burned this week so it's still good you know the the Media department departure lounge still seems to be very active. There's people coming in and leaving after three months. So, you know, the, you know, I've seen people leave Forest who are proper Forest fans leaving Forest with, you know, talking about mental health issues. And then, I, and so it's just it's just a kind of an, an unpleasantness there. Um, on a personal level, they let me down many times, and and it just got to the point where I just like, do I want? Do I, you know, I spoke to my boss about it. It was my decision to walk away from them. And like, and I'd lost, by doing that, I lost a lot of perks, if you know what I mean. I lost a lot of like, you know, I could speak to the chief exec, the chairman, directors. I could sit with them if I wanted. I could, you know, so, but I just felt I, I don't want to be around these people 
they were, you know, they were, they were burning me as well as burning other people. I've seen, just didn't like it. And also, I was, and, you know, just, I don't want to use the word taking the piss, but basically, I could just see that everything they'd said was built on um, PR and spin. And basically, it taken, you know, I felt probably a bit annoyed at myself that I'd fallen for it. And I can, and I still see a lot of people, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people were very angry with me basically on social media when I started questioning them. So, so I, I certainly wasn't the only one, but I can understand why because we're Forest fans and we've waited a long time for to see our club do well. And when these people came in after Fowers and they so capitalised on that with you know the, you know they, they they really kind of like that really worked in their benefit basically because we because everyone was just like great Fowers is gone because we knew we were, you know. It, we were, you know, we were going nowhere with Fowers apart from possibly relegation. So, or worse, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, I mean, and, and to be fair to Marinakis, I always say about Marinakis, he, um, he's made some bad decisions. He's put some bad people in charge of, of departments and he's not seemed to want to do it. And he's made, and, and, you know, he's, his way of doing things isn't necessarily the way of doing things that works in championship. But I always say the guy's got deep pockets, you know, he, he, um, you know, he's he's financing the club. Um, you know, I can't, I, I can't, I don't want to be ungrateful for the for the way he's paying for these players' wages and and you know he's reduced the ticket prices, so etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's just like you've got to open your eyes. You know, what, what, why is he? You know, everyone everyone can see that that basically it's not worked. And it's just you know, I mean, to, to be fair, this summer they have actually changed things, haven't they? You know, I mean, yeah. Yanis is half gone. Johnny Owen's half gone. Um, the the the, um, the one people don't talk about is Modesto. Modesto's fingerprints are all over half those signings that were terrible for Forest. You know, so he's gone. I think he's now focusing again on Olympiacos. But you know, if you look at the Forest website, he's still listed as the technical director. So I don't quite understand that. Um, but they brought in some like very shrewd. Um, recruitment people, from what I believe, um, and you know, so they have actually they they have realised belatedly, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I wish I I wish it hadn't had to happen, basically, and I and I, and I wish that um, everything was happy, but you know, these things happen. You can't you, know, you can't yeah. accept the truth is that you got and I completely understand from your profession as well. You don't you can't just give one side of the story that's not how it works that's not how news works so i completely yeah you completely get that um we've got time for just one more question so yeah, can we go well, I've got one, however long you want if you can put it with me it's been it's been it's been really interesting where's lee gone is lee had enough yeah lee says your breath stinks Disappeared. He's, he's had to go pick his missus up. He's he's, yeah. he's not he's not committed to the podcast, uh, Dan. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he won't mind me saying. Uh, no, like I think I was going to ask you a bit of a fun question, but I think I just want to round off with the current forest yeah, thing. Now, now we've now we've now we've kind of like turned a corner, as I'd say. Um, how do you see the rest of the season going? Uh, do you think we can make a playoff push? Are we at really six points off, which is crazy. Mm. If we hadn't gave everyone <laughs> a six game head start, we might be up there. Yeah. Well, do you know what? Do you know what? I think I think they I think it's not just us saying that. I think, um, you know, the the obviously we've got a new chief exec this summer, 
it's quite kind of hard for him to sack come in within like you know what three or four weeks sack a, sack the manager um i kind of wish i think he i think he wishes that he probably had done that now because i think they realize you know the keep keeping Hewton on for that international break and then that was a mistake basically but i i can understand why they why they did it and it's almost it's you know I think Dave Murphy was in an awkward position in in a, in a way, but they should have they should have pulled the trigger really. You know that, you know even even like what was it was it two more games he stayed. You know even like yeah against two poor yeah. sides as well. You've yeah just, just, listen you know it's all hypothetical now and everything, but it's just yeah basically listen it's I've listen. I'm not a mate of mine texted me yesterday saying that and I was like hold on like because at the moment you know this maybe what we're seeing in a way is as I I mentioned earlier the Cardiff thing with Mick McCarthy that basically he came in there's a brilliant honeymoon period and then it tails off you know see you know I don't I don't think Steve Cooper's going to be getting complacent but it's nice that we can talk about it yes this division is so mental that of course it's possible, you know, it's like, I mean, there's a lot of teams between us and the playoffs, but yeah, you know, you, you, every year you pretty much see a team make a, make a run for it. And there's, I don't know, there's, there's not, I'm not, I'm not particular. you know, you look at, look at the teams in the playoff place, you know, like I think Huddersfield are in there now, aren't they? <laughs> I, just, I can't, yeah. you know, I can't, um, but equally, I kind of think the way we play now, if either wing back, gets injured I kind of think we haven't got anyone that can come in and do that job I think that disrupts the team I think that because obviously that's a system that's looking really good so so you know I'm just trying to look ahead and sort of look at things trying not to get too giddy really but but it's nice we can talk about it and I certainly because I mean you know a month ago I was thinking we could get relegated because <laughs> we couldn't we couldn't, we couldn't we we never looked like we were going to score a goal. We never got anywhere near the box. Not sustainable at all, was yeah. it? Just never got anywhere near the box. It was just, I mean, that team was woeful to watch, and it's just, and it's bizarre that Hewton didn't understand what needed to change. That there just needed to be a bit more. Someone, someone at Forest said to me a while ago. He said it's crying out to go three at the back and wing backs. And no, I'm I'm not going to position myself as like a tactical expert because I'm not basically, but. You know, it was interesting to hear that from somebody else say it, and then Steve Cooper comes in, you know, pretty much does it straight away, and it's, you know, it's, um, I don't know, it's, yeah, it's good. Listen, it, it'd be lovely to think that we could because maybe it's pushing things a little bit far, but um, it's not impossible. Fingers and toes crossed there. Um, thank you so much for your time this evening, Dan. I really appreciate it. It's been great to sort of get your insights, pick your brain, stuff like that. It's fantastic stuff. So thank you so much. Anyway, so we now move on to the final part of the show where we look at predictions for the next three games. Forest have Bristol City away, Fulham at home, which is bizarre on a Sunday. I don't think it's on Sky, though. Very, very odd. And then QPR away, which is on Sky. It's on a Friday night. So uh, Lee had to uh, depart, but he is very much... Given his, he's given his blessing. So Lee has gone for a one-on draw away at Bristol City in midweek. He's gone for a one-on draw with Fulham at home, and he's gone for a two-one Forest win at Loftus Roads. So Reese, we'll start with you. It's, so Bristol City, notoriously bad at home with Nigel Pearson. What do you reckon? I think we can turn them over. Um, I really do. 
they haven't, like you just said, Christian, they haven't won at home on the Pearson, which is absolutely mental, really. They've um, lost to break that record. <laughs> yeah, I know, they, I know they have won in the um, Carabao Cup under him, but, you know, we'll discard that. Mm. Um, I do think we'll beat Bristol City. I just can't... <laughs> I don't know where this confidence has come from, but... It's come um, from four fucking good games. Yeah, That's where it's come from. I just think we can... I like, I, for the first time ever, I watched Quest's highlights last night um, and I seen Bristol City's highlights. They played Bournemouth for, you know, flying. Um, but obviously, like, I looked at the goals and that. I, I, think, we'll, I think we'll beat them 2-0. I'm going to go for a 2-0 win yeah. at Bristol City. Um, nice. Full... Um, Marcus Silva, Mitrovic's boys, or Team Mitrovic, basically. It, it, it depends on if we can... You know, Mitrovic at this level is ridiculously good. You know, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, I tweeted literally that a few weeks ago. Um, I seen, um, I saw the game yesterday. I was keeping my eye on it. Um, at the game, and he scored. He scored fifty goals in sixty nine games in the championship for Fulham, which is ri- ridiculous. Staggering. Um, and he's, but I've always been a massive fan of Mitrovic, and to be honest, I think he is a Premier League player. He's just been at Fulham, who aren't. A, you know, really a Premier League side. Even when it was at Newcastle, um, got, they got relegated there, didn't they? So. Yeah, he, he didn't. I don't think Benitez liked him, did he, at Newcastle? Um, no. But I think he'd be an asset for quite a lot of teams in the Premier League. I'm surprised no one's kind of never really gone for him. But no, it's true. Forget about him <laughs> till next Sunday. But yeah, it kind of it kind of depends if he can control him again. Um, that's a tough one. I do have a funny feeling that might be the first defeat. That yeah. might be the first defeat against them. Um, I'm gonna hate saying it. Um, I'm gonna go for one nil Fulham that game. Um, but and I hate saying that. But there is yeah. gonna come a period where we are gonna get beat. We know we yeah, all we can't know go that forever. As much as we want to be, we can't go beat it forever. <laughs> QPR away. Um, we all we all know Warburton's um, fine margins defensive. I mean, he shit four yesterday against Fulham, so I know they <laughs> started pretty well. QPR, but again, that's a game I think we can go and win. Um, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go for the win at QPR. I can see that being a few goals in that game as well. Um, I'm gonna go for three two to Forest. Three <laughs> two, yeah. A, yeah. Friday Just night under think, the lights. Yeah, they, you know, Lyndon Dykes is scoring a few from them. You know, they've yeah, got Charlie Austin who's experience yeah. and Elias Cheers, a good player. So, yeah, um, I think if if that does happen, that's six points from nine for me. I think that would be a decent return for these three games with two away. And one home, if you said you drew your two away, you won your one home, that's five points. So if we got six, I think that'd be decent, personally. Okay, cool. I like that. So it's just positive thinking, even despite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adam? Um, Bristol City, going to be a tough game. I think we've, we've struggled quite a lot at Ashton Gate. I don't think we've, we've won many times there, um, mm-hmm. off the top of my head. So... I think a point away from home anywhere in the championship, whether you play top of the league, bottom of the league, whoever, um, is always good. However, with the 
monkey on their back that they can't seem to buy a win at home. It would be great if we could go there and, and scrape a great one nil win or whatever we do because it's all it's all that it's all valuable, isn't it? But um, yeah, I'd be happy with a point. I'd, I'd maybe back Lee's prediction of one all um, at Bristol City. Um, Fulham at home, tough game, and I mean they've not not, not just got Mitrovic, have they? They've got no, Tom Kearney weren't even starting yesterday. Players. They're not the Nottingham yeah. board lad. Um, good player, Harrison. They've got Harrison <laughs> Reed, Ivan Cavallero. They've got very good players. Um, but I think you can get under their skin uh, a little bit. But, and Mitrovic is not like your typical big target man. He's quite mobile and he can score a lot of different sorts of goals. Um, and obviously, it's gonna. you can't exactly pick a centre-half for him to play against because otherwise I'd pick McKenna all day and I think he'd have a good chance against him. But if he's Mitrovic is a good player and he's going to play on Warrell or Figueredo, so it's one of them. It's how we deal with them and how we can get get up, get at Fulham. But I'd probably say maybe like a two-one loss. Unfortunately, I think they've just their quality will outdo us. Mm. And then QPR away, it could be anything. So <laughs> I mean, we could we they could be the team we ship five past quite easily, but they yeah. could easily turn us over as well because like like Reece pointed out, they've got some good players. Elias Chair is is one of been a fan of for a while. Do right, yeah. Dykes, yeah, Charlie Austin up front. They've got some tidy players, I think. Um, Hark life. I think we, I think we might <laughs> nick it there. I think we might win two-one. Lee Tomlin with two. <laughs> <laughs> I was just um, looking. The last time I beat Bristol City was two thousand eleven at Ashton Gate. When I was there. Chris Boyd scored twice. I was Chris there. Chris Boyd, what a player! Yeah. What a player! I'm just having a look now. Because that was when we needed um, to win our games to have yes. it. We needed to win our last four games, really, to have any chance of overtaking Leeds. We did. And yeah. um, I remember um, they had a goal disallowed in the last minute for handball. I think I went through every range of emotions that day because Palace beat Leeds, thankfully. So we actually gained advantage from them. But God, that wasn't pleasant. Um, I will go for. See, normally with Forests, we see a record like this where Bristol City haven't won our home since Pearson's been yeah. there. And we go, here you go, boys, here's three points. Yeah. Like, you know, we're the ones, like, we're always the unfortunate party that, you know, breaks these stupid fucking curses that seem to happen. It's always Forest <laughs> as well. However, I think Pearson has got, much like Houston was with us, I don't think this seems to be clicking. I think we can do them. I think we can very comfortably put two or three past them. And I think we will. I think we'll rip them to pieces. So um, I think that'll be a very convincing 2-0 win. And it'll probably heat more pressure on Pearson. But yeah, I think for them, I agree with you, Adam. I think we'll lose 2-1. I think that'll be the first game we lose. Um, like I said, I just think they have too much quality for us. Like the way the league is at the minute, the teams that come down, you know, two of them are going to get the top two places and the third one will be in the top six. And if any team who finishes above West Brom or Fulham this season is going up top two, no one's going to do it. It'll be two. So I think, you know, we have to take that one on the chin. And as much as I'd like to say, we're going to, you know, maybe we, yeah, you can't. It's like I remember um, there was once upon a time uh, when I was at uni, actually, funny enough. Um, Ryan McDermott came to our uh, uni hall and gave us a little mini lecture, and he said that there are things that happened in the Premier League. I think it was Berbatov uh, playing Fulham, funny enough, actually, and their ball was um, cleared from a corner. Berbatov basically controlled it on his foot and just whipped it top corner without even thinking. 
and Mitrovic has a player like it doesn't happen in the championship because the players aren't there but Fulham have players who can do that and will do that people like Kenny people like Mitrovic who will take half chances that other championship players won't take so I think they'll be they'll have too much quality for us and they will probably lose 2-1 and then QPR it's funny you say about Dykes because the way he played for Scotland against England it was like he won a fucking raffle to play that game. <laughs> like he was absolutely dreadful. Mm. Come on, and, come um, on, Christian, you're talking about Scotland's biggest ever result here. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but yeah, he he, um, he seems to back it up. He, he seems to score quite a lot of goals. You know, he, even as a neutral, you can see Dykes generally gets one or two for QPR. If you, if you look at who scores, you think, oh, it's probably them. So, but like, like you said, Adam, I think it could be very open. But I think. 3-1 Forest. Yeah, I think we've got a good feeling we can expose their defensive frailties there. If we can get Johnson, I wouldn't be surprised if he might start that game either. Get get their pace in behind quicker because you know they'll play a higher highish line and we'll exploit it, I do, reckon. Do you, know, do you know, before we wrap up, I do want to just ask you both a question. Do you think we'll see a bit more of a rotated, uh, ro- well, not a rotated side, but a mo- bit more of a rotation of like forward players, maybe midfield players? I think back, back five... Obviously, Sambo in a six, you want to try and keep as much as possible to keep that. So, so you want to build partnerships and stuff. But do you think we might see like a Garner come in or a Martin or a Lolly just to just to freshen things up? Because Zinc and Argo looked fucked in Reese yesterday. Mm, so. Yeah, I think the problem probably with the back five at the minute, or you know, I know we've got Horvath for Sambo, but. There isn't really much option, is there? Um, we were talking with Dan, like the wing-backs, you haven't really got a replacement for them at the minute. I know Draga's like on the sidelines, but we don't, we don't want to see Bong back in the team. <laughs> um, and then you, you've got a back three, and we've got, is it five centre-backs at the club, and Beso's injured, and then you've got Eli's not been on the bench or not played yet for us. So... Um, so it's tough to rotate them positions and like you say Adam they're playing out of the skin at the minute uh, the forward players because they're all still Rabin's doing really forward. they're all still doing really well but it's me yeah. I'm just meaning the championship is such a yeah crazy league um, would, you like would, you, would, would, would you be shocked would either of you be shocked to see us change to the 4-2-3-1 and we bring in Carvalho to have a game or not. It's hard to I say because obviously, game, but, you, yeah. Joe, when you're winning, it's hard to change the team and I can see that and I don't like doing that anyway, but it's a, it's a, Q- it's a mental game. I think QPR would be a Carvalho type of game. I was thinking um, that. Yeah, much like I last think that would be his show. type of game, yeah. Um, like, with, like you just said there, Adam, like you said yesterday, Zink and Arkell looked a bit leggy at the end. It all depends on how they are. If mm. you might be forced to rotate, you know we've got good players in that. You know we've got Oyeda as well to bring in. Um, hopefully, we will all like to see him soon. And then you've got Lolly Martin Carvalho. Yeah, Garner. I know people's. Oh, we need to get rid of Carvalho. You know, if Johnson gets injured, you know we, we he's part of the squad still. Yeah, you know what I mean. So he's still. He's, I know he's not brought him on Cooper or anything. He hasn't been able to get him on in his eyes. Um, he's still part of that 18. So if Johnson or Zinkenagel or whoever in them attacking areas are struggling a bit, he's he's probably got to play him. Mm. So yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see some changes either. I think mm. 
what's likely to happen, I think, is that I don't see Carvalho starting these games. I think like we'll, no. we'll the three four three, but I think we might change mid game to four two three one, and Carvalho will be brought on. And mm. like much like the Barnsley game where he brought Graben on, we changed shape and we exploited the high line within seconds. I can see that happening, especially against QPR. Maybe like it might be nil nil off an hour, and then QPR goes right no four two three one, and then suddenly you know. But you're right, we've got a lot of options there, and you know, generally speaking, it's very rare that an outfield player will play 46 games in Championship because it's such a demanding physical league. So there will be times where changes are necessary, and. Yeah, I think, like I said, I'd, I would be surprised to see Garner come back in. And I think these, what's good is, though, these players will be coming in hungry to prove a point. So yeah. they'll want to, they'll want to, like, they'll, they'll come in like, like, I've lost my shirt, I want to get it back. Yeah. So mm. it'll be interesting. But I, do, I wouldn't be surprised if some changes at all. But you anyway, know, on that note, yeah, hopefully the changes. Yeah, that, that, that Oyeda ain't going to come from Paraguay just to sit in the reserves, is he? Exactly. You know, yeah. You know, I, I know people, but I will. Paraguay and blah blah blah, but he's playing in Copa Libertadores, it's a prestigious tournament, you know what I mean? Yeah, he'll want to play. Um, I mean, I bet, I bet, I bet, I think he could be. I know we said it in a previous pod, but I was speaking to one of my mates last night and he reckons he'll be a right horrible player, but that will that we'll love that we'll love. Joe from yeah. South America, it's it's a bit like job, Claudio, Claudio <laughs> Jacob type of player, yeah, a bit more passive ability, technical, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Be ideal. Sometimes you're gonna play sides where you need to get stuck in. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen yeah. that. We've seen that time and time yeah. again, haven't we? But um, anyway, yeah. thank you so much for listening. I'll see a bumper edition of the pod today, which is always again a massive thanks again to Dan and everyone else. So yeah, uh, we'll have a question for you in due course. And hopefully next time we talk, we'll have some more wins in our belts as well. Take care. See you soon. Come on, Forest. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.